0: Andrew Did you watch the feature film The Flash? No wait, wait, no. We're talking about Guardians of the Galaxy 3 which came out recently. Yeah,
1: recently. That's what that word means, right? Uh I mean on a cosmic scale. <laughs> super topical, super on time. Um Hey look,
0: we I it's not on streaming yet. <laughs> That's true. I feel so like that's we, like our window, right? Although, although to be fair, it probably would make more sense to wait <laughs> until it it's streaming and people care about it again. But yes, we watched Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Three. Correct. And so, Greg, yes. Typically, when we
1: do this, you know, usually we do what did Greg think? What did Greg think? Andrew thought? What did Andrew thought? Greg thought? We've already talked a little bit about it offline. So yeah, I already know. Let me skip that part this time. Sure. Because I
0: think the general conclusion is that, like, we both liked this movie. Yeah, so did everybody. Yeah. It, it, I, I have very few complaints about this one. Um, it, was, it was a good movie all around. Um. Much better, I think, than I anticipated. And, you know, one thing with the benefit of it being a while since the movie came out Um. is that, like... I, I you know, if 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 you came by and were like, hey, let's watch Guardians 3, I'd be like, yeah, let's do it. That sounds cool. I'd like to see that again, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. I was just thinking, like, oh, it like someone was asking, like, oh, when's Guardians 3 coming to streaming? And I'm like, I don't know, but I hope it's soon, because I would like to rewatch it. Um, yeah. I mean, I had went through beforehand, and you know, it had been a while, like, I mean, I've seen Guardians 1 a number of times, but it had been a while, and, like, I wasn't convinced. I'm not a big, like, movie rewatcher, so mm-hmm. I was like, I don't even know if I ever saw guardians to like a second time in its entirety. So shortly before I went and I watched both of those and this was coming off of, you know, uh, the last Marvel movie, which was Ant-Man, which mm-hmm. was not good coming no. off of prior Marvel movies that were also not good. And it was like, Oh, right. These are good movies.
0: They can
1: be. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, like I meant these like these older movies are good. And it's not just like all these dumb excuses people have in their head for like why it's not working. It's like they're too woke. They're not woke enough. They're superhero fatigue. It's just like, no, they're just not making movies as well. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah and for me watching guardians one which was like you know is a marvel classic a lot of people's favorite marvel movie for a lot of good reasons even guardians 2 is just like this is another really good movie i might even like it better than the first one and you know seeing how i guess the guardians were briefly in thor uh which was an interesting kind of backstory reading that like because of the timing changes and then because of the whole james gunn thing like things got really tossed around james gunn also had no idea that they were going to be ending in uh end game with Thor going and joining the Guardians and he was just like oh what the fuck am I supposed to do with this dude like right. so a lot of stuff in there that was kind of like well that was a weird detour we didn't need um it was like but no like these movies they're they're just like the ideal kind of middle like middle of the road in a positive way where it's like it's got good action it's got good spectacle it's got good characters it usually has a point of some kind <laughs> And, you know, it's, they're more action comedy, but not so far action comedy that nothing matters, you know, or it's just like loses all stakes. And they also have that very, you know, iconic kind of James Gunn of just like, oh, this is goofy and irreverent, but also heartfelt and going to make you feel things that you might not have expected to feel about a fucking CGI raccoon.
0: Yeah, I, I, I. I mean, I knew that they were going to be using the CGI raccoon to create some feels in this movie. Uh, and they basically telegraphed that. They were like, Hey, this is going to be a movie where, uh, we might not kill the raccoon, but we're going to, we're going to, we're going to come close. Um, and as much as I think I would have liked to have seen, um, some alternate reality where we did like where I got more like Thor. Thor is a member of the guardians of the galaxy now. You know what I mean? Yeah. There was
1: something to that idea for sure.
0: But I'm, I'm happy with what we got. Um, And I was just, yeah. And like you say, like there's so many complaints about Marvel. And I, I, I mean, I think that Marvel fatigue is definitely a thing. And, and that I think is because in, in many ways, They really just the movies really fell into a formula. And, um, you know, it was really it was just about like, we just got to keep this thing moving. You know, you could just see the business model on the screen. It was no longer cool movies about your favorite characters. It was now a part of this giant project that Disney is doing. And I guess I have to play along. Um, But this was just, oh, they just made a good one. And you kind of realized like when you compare it mentally to like Ant-Man, you're like, they they should just try to make good movies and also <laughs> spend some money on them as well. Like you could absolutely tell that uh, like when you compare Guardians 3 versus Thor, the, the latest Thor or Ant-Man, you can absolutely see, oh, yeah, when they actually spend money on things like special effects and sets, um, these things can look pretty cool.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I think that throughout the three Guardians movies, James Gunn he has a very specific style that like maybe was didn't emerge for me at first, like from first watch throughs. But like you know, he makes the technical bits like really cool looking and and like very mechanical and like. But the aliens are like weird in their own way, but not so like Rick and Morty weird. You know, like everything. It's kind of got a, a, a again like a a con- consistent and cohesive through line of like what the visual elements are and what are going to be cool looking. Like I'm thinking about to the second movie where when they're kind of doing like the big ego fight at the end and they're in that like ship that has like the little roly doodads that turn into lasers and they're like mm-hmm. rolling around and then like coming together to make one giant laser. And there's bits like that in this movie too, where like, you know, when rockets messing around with technical things, it, it's like, feels very, uh, it's like, Kind of like the cool parts of like when you watch a transformer transform you yeah know? yeah uh like that's going on which is cool um there's just there's definitely just a visual feel that feels good it's a little like not psychedelic but it's got a lot of color you know all these things are, i think they shine through compared to again some of the more formulaic methods and especially with some of the more recent shitty just shitty effects and shitty background location stuff going on it's almost like some of like the DCEU like effect, like infiltrating. We're like, let's just make it like a vague brown background. It's like, no, please don't. do Yeah,
0: that. they uh, I mean, I think that the there was a lot of like just like really visually arresting, like just graphic design or production design in this um that i thought was was really excellent and I, I, you know i said the same thing about ant-man and and some parts of thor were like but I, I think in those they had cool ideas like on like in thor when they were fighting on like the really small planet yeah. right yeah. Um, or when things would fade to black and white when mm-hmm. the bad guy was around like, they had some really cool ideas, but they just... They never really let you sit with them. And yeah. there was just a, much more of a feeling of fakeness. Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, in Guardians, when they're on the weird, gross, like, bioweapon planet... I love that um, sequence. Even though some of the costumes were look, looked a little jakey, but still, like, it was... Um, you spent enough time there in that setting, um, to the point where even like you started to, you as the viewer started to understand how like the weird technology worked. Um, and like, you know, I think there was a scene, you know, towards the end of that sequence where like Peter Quill like figures out how to make an announcement or something. And, you know, you're seeing the, you know, the, the bosses of the space station using this weird technology, But, like, there are little story beats in there and you get it and you understand how all this works and it doesn't need to explain it. It's really good. And you just you don't have to. But you spend enough time there that you can see all the weird, interesting ideas of what if we have a a whole act of the movie that takes place on, like, this weird space station thing that's, like, biological? And, well, what if, like... There's gotta be a pus fountain, right? Yeah, let's have a pus fountain and let's have some characters fall in it. It's gonna be gross. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll have parts of it be kind of biological and parts of it look kind of plasticky, but also like weirdly sterile and corporate. Um, and do you just spend enough time in it to really like get a feel for it and enjoy it and, and to develop some of the ideas with it? Whereas like in, you know, Ant Man, you, you get these really cool settings where, like, is it a cave or is it space? How big is anything? This is really cool and weird. Oh, it's just the background, you know. Mm-hmm. And then everything else it's very clear. They're just walking around on a sound stage, and this background was made behind them. Yeah, um, it's
1: you, got that, like, you know, when you're in a video game and the background's painted versus rendered, right? Like,
0: right. Or it's just, you know, okay. So you, to carry the video game metaphor a little bit further. You know how in, like, some video games, like, let's call it like, basic, like, side-scrolling video games, like, you go to the, you're in the ice level, but, and then, but, like, the, the physics are a little different because it's kind of slippery. You know that idea? hmm Happens all the time. But, and then there's other games where you go to an ice planet and it's just, oh, everything's blue now, right? Guardians of the Galaxy gives you time to realize that things are a little bit slippery here. Right. Whereas the other ones, it's just like, oh, I guess we're in Fire World now. Okay. Does that mean anything? Does that change the way the action sequences work? Does that, you know, uh, change the anything other than just the color of the scene? No, not really. It's fine. Um, and I don't know how they do it because it's not like this movie is much longer than the other ones. I
1: do think it's just about having having a vision that you're able to execute on. Like you said, right. It's like they have both pieces. They have good ideas and then they're like able to like bring those ideas to full realization as opposed to like partial or cut the corners to try and save some money or to underpay your, you know, CGI folks or whatever. Yeah. Um,
0: yeah. And I think, and I think that that has to do with, with Gunn is the, the the writer and director is that like, it seems like he wants to fully explore as many of these ideas as he can, um, as opposed to just, you know, what, what felt like with Ant-Man and Thor where it's like, all right, we've got our script We've got some action sequences. Where should this one take place? Uh, how about a tiny planet? All right, great. Make it happen. You know, mm-hmm. um, it feels just kind of slapped together. Whereas I feel like James Gunn with this one, he's like, yeah, if we're going to if we're going to have, um you know, if we're going to have the scene on the um on the on the weird on counter Earth that's inhabited by, you know, idiot uh animal people who speak a different language, but it's also the 70s, mm-hmm. like like we should, we should fully explore that, you know. And like, what what little jokes can we find in here, and what little elements of uh, of set dressing and you know, um, just production design are going to make this feel a little bit more real. Like this sounds strange, but like there's even a sense, like on Counter Earth, like there's almost like a haze in the air because there's an atmosphere, mm-hmm. whereas when they're in uh, the the bio station, the lighting is so much harsher and clearer, and you f- it feels a little bit more like a hospital where everything's very sterile. Mm-hmm. But on Counter-Earth, it's like, you know, things look a little grubbier, but there's also just something to the lighting and the the color that makes it feel a little bit more like, oh, we're on a planet now. And all those little touches really add up.
1: Yeah, for and sure. some of it's
0: money. Some of it's money. Mm-hmm. But some of it is also, I think, that James Gunn cared a lot more about this movie than the folks who worked on uh, the other two. Or let's well, not to say they didn't care, but either some combination of, you know, him caring about it, plus having the, uh, the money and juice within the studio to do it the way he wanted to do it.
1: Yeah, I mean, we definitely and I'm not saying that you have to have, like, all two directors to make a movie good. But like we talked a little bit previously about how, like, you know, Marvel – Took a lot of big swings on who they got, not just from. And people always talk about casting, right? Early yeah. on, but from more from like a directing standpoint and a writing standpoint. You know, the people they pulled in were either huge. I mean, I'm I when maybe we say John Favreau is huge, but he's, he was a big director at the time. Mm-hmm. You know, and Kenneth Brana from Thor, but like big act, big directors, but not really in this space. Or very small directors that were very popular in the space, like your Joss Whedon and your James Gunn. And by giving them the keys to the kingdom, you ended up with like a lot of very high quality products. So you had either a vision or, you know, a cohesive approach that they were trying to follow. And as they've gone, when I look at the names of the people who direct some of these movies, I mean, unfortunately, some of them are still like, well, how what happened? What happened to Taiko Watiti? You know, and you can see Studio Medley. You can see a lot of other things going on as well. But, like, you just start to see, like, more and more writers that I don't recognize mm-hmm. or aren't consistent or, like, more and more directors where it's like, who? I mean, Peyton redirected all three A-Man movies, I think. Um, but, like... I don't know, the first two fit his style more than the third one. I, I don't know. Like, there's just something going on there for sure. And even when they do, it, I do think there's just, like... It's not even so much, the, like, the formula on screen for me. Because, like, it's not so much that Phase 4 movies were just, like, so formulaic. They didn't have a their own tone or approach or whatever. So I think of something like Eternals, which is, like, a pretty different style movie, you know, directed by someone a very different director was trying to do something specific and just like, it just didn't quite work. Although in retrospect, Hmm. I I put that in the like, not great, but interesting category more than I put it in this, like the, eh, whatever kind of category. So I don't know. I'm not putting this all together. Well, but I just think like when you had that sort of, there was a certain, like in in my mind, someone like a James Gunn, Joss, Whedon, like very similar kind of like lanes of like people who want to write and direct their movies. And focus on telling really like cohesive and comprehensive stories versus assembling a movie by committee, which is what a lot of the other ones have felt like. Yeah.
0: They, they they felt like, um, you know, there was all this talk when, you know, of, you know, when kind of the Marvel movies were in their heyday and when they were kind of the talk of the town of like, Oh, is this the return to the studio system of like the Mm. Mm forties and fifties where it was less about directors and more about, you know, the studios had a style and they had a, the studios had a, this style and this stable of stars. And, um, you know, it seemed like that's the direction that Marvel was trying to go in, where it's like, yeah, we're not hiring you to make your movie. We're hiring you to make a Marvel movie. Right. Uh, or we're hiring you to write a Marvel movie. And we found the formula that, you know, basically lo- look at Look at Joss Whedon and do that. (laughs) And, you know, you've got to have this many action scenes, this many locations. You got to have this many cameos from other characters. And this is how it has to end because that's the key up the next thing. Um, And I think that I think James Gunn was in a very powerful position when he was making this because he certainly was in conversations with DC at that point. Sure. And um, he had you know, he had done a lot of big successes for them. Mm -hmm. Um, So, and I also think that uh, Marvel knew that this was going to be their last guardians of the galaxy movie because all of these stars are getting ready to move on. Yeah. Um,
1: Yeah. Which is smart. And I also think like with, with like what's a credit to this movie is that even with this group of characters being used you know, a moderate amount in Infinity War and Endgame and being fairly crucial to the plot of those movies. If you watch these three movies close in a row, they feel like the themes follow through all three movies. The character arcs follow all three movies, even though they had that little detour, much like honestly, much like in comics when like, you know, you've got whoever's doing their run on god knows whoever vision or whatever and then in the midst of that run there's a crossover event and they kind of veer off and do the crossover Mm -hmm. event but then you know you know issues one through 10 are the own thing and then 10 through 15 are the crossover with secret wars 45 and then you know issues 15 16 through 20 are back to the main arc and like that's a very comic book thing to do and like he accomplished that with this and i think that's and, and given all the disruptions between covid and his scandal not scandal but the false scandal thing around him and and his characters being used in two big movies. I mean, when did Guardians 2 come out? It's been a while. Seven, six, seven years ago, something like that. It's like to make a movie that just like feels like it picks right off where the second one left off is like, oh, that's pretty impressive. But without like just backtracking. Yeah, you know, I think that's good.
0: And I think that, you know, one of the things that works for this is, I mean, th- th- there's nothing terribly new or... No groundbreaking about the story or anything to it but i think that that's it's 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 a story you've heard before but it's done it's done very well and um you know i think he 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 just did a great job yeah i mean i i would i i will say that i think that the um the rocket flashbacks were maybe a little bit, like, one notch too emotionally manipulative. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, like, we're going to make these so cute. that it's gonna But also into- so dark, and you right. know this whole thing is so doomed. Yeah. Um, laid on a little too thick, um, but it was fine. You know, not every movie needs to be surprising. Or super um, subtle. <laughs> Right. No, th- this movie is not subtle at all. Yeah. Um, And it doesn't really have that much to say. Right. It's yeah. kind of like, I mean, it's very basic stuff of like, you know, hey, d- don't be a dick. Yeah. To animals
1: like found family. Yeah. And that, you know, it's an arc throughout it and this whole thing. And like, you know, different, you know, trying to look past people's flaws to, you know, to find the good and then these kind of things. Right. You know, definitely. I, I was. I was thinking about this because I, you know, like, Oh, what are the themes of guardians? It's like, cause I was like, definitely like, the f- like, you know, found family and like kind of that, like not unconditional. Cause I hate that phrase, but just like the, you know, we're going to stick by each other because we've been through a lot together. And even yeah. though we annoy the hell out of each other and like, we all have flaws. I think that <laughs> I, so I recently came back from my trip to Scandinavia and I was on a plane for, you know, eight and some hours on the way home. Oh. And I was like, All right, well, I read a lot on the way here. I'm kind of over that. I'm going to, like, just do the movie thing on the plane. Like, what movies does this thing have? And I was like, okay. Oh, this plane has every single Fast and the Furious movie. (laughs) How many can I get through before I get home? (laughs) At one point, Shay's, like, looked over, and she's like, how is he still watching that Fast and the Furious movie? He's like, oh, I was on the fourth one. Oh, God. (laughs) Also, I'm going to just digress for a minute here. My point overall is that those movies are so, like, it's about family. It's my Vin Diesel impression. Um, it was terrible by the way. Uh, it's like, okay, you can keep telling me that, but you're not showing me it at all. So I don't right. know what this means. Whereas like this, you feel it and see it. And I will say that like, I was like, damn, am I going to fucking cry over the CGI raccoon <laughs> dying in the <this laughs> scene in this middle of this theater? Because like that scene when he's like, Flatlining, and I will say Chris Pratt gave an amazing performance yep. in that scene. I was like, "Holy shit!" Like, and because in the moment that was just a fucking CGI nothing. Like he, he couldn't see it. Exactly. I was, I was impressed by that because you really feel like those are characters in the movie in, in, in the way that because a they spend money on them and make them look good, but also b just like the way they interact in the scenes and all those bits that it just fits.
0: Um, yeah, and and Bradley Cooper did a great job.
1: Yeah, for sure. The
0: performance. He's he's always done a great job with that. Um, uh, You know, I mean, there was a lot of opportunity for him to phone that in. Yep. And uh, having recently seen a movie where Chris Pratt does a voiceover like Uh. (laughs) there is there is like he he puts in the work that a lot of, you know, made, you know, uh, you know, kind of, you know, screen actors often do not do when they're tapped to do a voiceover he's right. he did so great but um it's like you would never know that's
1: bradley cooper no if he, that's like, right which is always so strange to me it was like as every movie was like they're gonna recast him at some point right because they don't need him it's like no he he put in the work and like it's just such an interesting performance and choice because he doesn't need to do these movies you know what i mean like and to be an actor like bradley cooper of like you're super handsome and you're on all these things like whatever it's like why would you choose to voice a cj raccoon in a voice that is completely unrecognizable as you, Right. Like it's one thing if you just yeah do Chris Pratt as Mario and it's like, you just sound like Chris Pratt or whatever, but yeah, it's just such an interesting choice.
0: Yeah. I, um, another thing I really enjoyed about this movie, um, it was something that I didn't know I missed, uh, from Marvel movies, but like they had a villain who was just a villain ass villain. Yeah. Like he's just this scenery chewing madman. Like, yeah. It's I, I, the movie never asked me to, like, sympathize with him or because what they've been doing in so many of their movies, um, it, notably Black Panther with Killmonger, where but but this is all over the place with m- most of their villains. It's like he's right. <laughs> the bad guy's just right. <laughs> like, but we have to stop him because he's mean or something. Yeah. You know, like, but here it's like, oh, no, he's just a bad guy who's just this power mad lunatic who's doing all kinds of crazy nonsense. His motivations are not terribly complex. He's obviously insane and has mm-hmm. his own, like, moral and ethical compass, Uh, which I think the actor who played him, whose, whose name is escaping me at the moment, uh, did a really good job of, like... He's still doing the villain thing of like, oh, he's the hero of his own story, but he is just unquestionably evil, unquestionably a bad guy. And we just get to see him be bad and we get to hate him and then we get to see the good guys kill him. Like I didn't realize I missed that.
1: (laughs) Yeah,
0: it, it, you know, because they, they, they went so far on making me root for the bad guys or like, like, uh, you know, like Vulture in the first Spider-Man. It's like, hey, my business was destroyed by the Avengers. And now I'm just like trying to make ends meet by salvaging, salvaging technology. Oh, I guess I got to go to jail now <laughs> mm-hmm. or Killmonger. It's like, yeah, they uh they, they, they've been stealing from our culture and, and, and I want to not do that anymore. Yeah. I want them to stop. And you're like, yeah, that sounds right. Sounds yeah. about right.
1: And like all three of the Guardians villains are like that, but they're all also different and have a slightly unique flair to it. Like Ronin is just like a pretty one dimensional dude who's just like, no, I'm going to just fight everything because I'm a Korean, right. whatever.
0: Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a religious zealot. Yeah.
1: And then Ego you know, is like, no, like I am an incomprehensible celestial being that wants to, you know, plant my, like become everything. It's like, right. okay, well, that's like less evil, but it's still not like sympathetic. Right. And then this guy is, you know, has, he does such a good, Chuck Wodioji is, is is the actor's name and he was great in Peacemaker too. Um,
0: oh, that's right. That's yeah. right.
1: Yeah. Um, So it's like, he's great in general and he does such a good job of like, Cause it's, it's like unhinged, but like in, he kind of zigs where you expect him to zag sometimes, like, or reverse of that, I guess, where it's like, oh, like, you know, is he like, cause he's like kind of like nice in, in like to like the animals and stuff when you wouldn't expect it. If you're just playing like the crazy unhinged guy, like you would just do certain kind of go through the motions, but yeah, it was a very interesting performance. I really liked it. And um, yeah, it's nice just to be like, no, we need to stop this guy. And, and, you know, there's time for the sympathetic villain it wasn't just, again, execution issues where it's just, like, sometimes the villains just been, like, really boring, too. It's, like, the the villains in Black Widow, it's, like, who the fuck cares about any of these people? Nobody. They're not interesting, and they're not sympathetic, so you got neither thing. Right. Like, the villain in Shang-Chi, um, his dad, that was, like, closer, but I just feel like they didn't quite nail the whole thing. Like, I saw what they were going for. I liked it, but just couldn't, like, quite pull it all together in the way that made sense. Um, I don't even know about friggin' Multiverse of Madness. Who fucking knows? But... Um, that movie is so bonkers.
0: Well, no, I mean, I I I liked Wanda as the villain in yeah. that because she did a great job, um, and she wasn't sympathetic. Well, I mean, she was sympathetic in like I get it, I get how the life that this woman has had has made her crazy.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: right yeah but i also identify that she is crazy (laughs) there is i i'm not being asked to root for her at all i understand where she's coming from but she's insane as opposed to like the killmonger problem where you know um you know like she doesn't have a point yeah the way that like you know and 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 high evolutionary doesn't have a point no but like kang it was kind of like Yeah, I mean, you might be the good you might be the good guy in your own way, you know? Like, oh, you were trapped here by maybe some some bad guys and you're trying to get out, you know? Like you're um whereas yeah, high evolutionary it's like, yeah, no, you're just an asshole. You're just an asshole and I want to see the bad guy. I want to see the good guys beat you. But also the fact that, I mean, he was the villain, but it's not like it was more about saving Rocket and this guy happens to be standing in the way. Yes. You know,
1: and, and that is what I think is why all three of these movies are exact, like exactly the same in that way, where it's like the villain is just an obstacle to the character's growth and development. Mm hmm. Right. Like. Ronan is not a super compelling villain on paper from a plot perspective, but you know, the goal of that movie is to, you know, see these characters kind of emerge from their more selfless, you know, uh, outlooks and then come together to make a team that's going to do good or whatever. And, That's the catalyst for doing that. The villain is the thing that helps spark that along, as opposed to being like the point, you know. Whereas maybe more like in an Infinity War Endgame situation, the villain is a lot more of like the point of the plot, or even like a Winter Soldier, right? Where like the villain is a character we are supposed, you know, like needs to be saved or whatever. So like you know, and same thing with even Ego, who is um, takes up a lot, lot more screen space and space within that movie. It's much more about Peter getting over his daddy issues than it is about defeating ego, right?
0: Right. The ego ego is the kind of the Darth Vader archetype. Right. The father figure who's offering you um you know, offering you power at the compromise of your ethics. Right. You know, um and it's about overcoming that temptation and and like you say resolving the daddy issues.
1: You know, it's interesting in this one because I think that maybe the, you know, rocket's always kind of rocket and rocket's background has always been kind of one of the lingering mysteries of the series. And while I don't think the high evolutionary represents quite the same, like direct parallel to what they're trying to accomplish. It is like, again, his, you know, rocket moving past and accepting like what he is regardless of how he was made. And again, he is like an embodiment of that. So most of these characters are personal in some way. I mean, even for if you look at the role that, not within these movies, but within the larger story, like that Thanos plays with Gamora and Nebula, mm-hmm. right? Like it's all just like interconnected in a way that just like makes a lot more sense and feels a lot more uh, fluid and interconnected in in the positive way. So yeah, they're all
0: rejecting bad parents.
1: Basically, which is pretty much all we ever want to do, with right? The,
0: with, with the exception of Drax, who they they rapidly wrapped up his arc. But like, oh, he always wanted to be a dad. All right, fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I they, I know I know even Dave Bautista was like this character does nothing. He brings nothing to the table like I'm over it. It's like, yeah, I get that, man. Like you're not yeah. getting a lot of work with. Like, did you I actually meant to ask you, did you watch the Christmas special? No. Oh, OK. Um, Worth a watch. Maybe it was goofy and stupid um kind of you know leads into this one for sure well definitely not mandatory watching um one thing i will say to to pivot a little bit uh is that i i really liked it would have been so easy to just like completely kind of undo you know gamora's death in infinity war to just basically like ah she she'll get there eventually kind of like they did with loki right where it's like Yeah, it's a different Loki, but I just show him his life story and he'll just turn out to be the same Loki. Yeah.
0: Different, but yeah, Yeah. not different enough.
1: But I think for them, for James Gunn to make the decision to like be like, no, like you don't just, you're not, your life is not predetermined. And like, just because someone can tell you, like, hey, we were in love, does not mean you're going to fall in love with that person again at this, you know, all these, life is serendipitous, right? And it's about, Place and time and moment, and you know, everything leads up to that. So, one second, and to like not just have them like fall in love again and end the movie with like them kissing and riding off for the sunset, and everything's hunky dory. I thought was a very good move,
0: and I I, really enjoyed that. Absolutely agree. I think that was uh, an excellent choice. Um, Because it, uh, yeah, like kind of the expected thing would be just to hit the reset button. Um, But it gave, it restored some agency to the Gamora character. Mm -hmm. And I think made her more interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, It it, it gave her more to do than just kind of be the love interest and to feud with Nebula. Um, it, It gave, it made her character, she had has a lot more edge to her and is a lot more interesting. And, um, it kind of says something about like, uh, you know, the way the guys can sometimes forget that the girl they're pursuing is a person. <laughs> yeah. Um, they're not
1: just like an object of your affection to try and win.
0: Right. And that like, you can't like Peter, you can't talk her into being your girlfriend again, you know, right. like it's, it's going to happen or it's not going to happen. But um, I I thought it was a really mature take and made for a much more interesting movie Mm -hmm. Um, because, you know, I I, because I do think once they got over the will, they won't they part of that romance. It wasn't it got kind of boring, right? As these things often do. And instead, it was like, no, they're not getting back together. And also, she's a different version of the character that, that is actually more interesting um, yeah. I
1: mean, and, it, and it's as if, you know, like, it, it, and it makes sense logically from a narrative perspective. It's like, okay, go back and watch the first 20 minutes of Gamora in the first Guardians of the Galaxy movie. Cause that's basically where she's leaving off mm-hmm. and how many things and how long it takes for the will they won't they to like pan out is like two in some movies. Cause like, it's not really till like the end of two and even in infinity where we're like, they are solidly a couple now. Right. And that was I don't know, however many years in so it's like it makes sense from an from like an in-universe narrative perspective and it makes for like a more compelling and interesting like, you know, meta-narrative commentary. So
0: yeah. It, it it gives the movie something to say. It um it gives Peter a new lesson to learn, you know. Um it restores her agency. Um, because there was a lot of danger of that happening with the way that this <laughs> went of just like, Oh yep. She's going to fall for him again. Cause he's just so charming. And it's like, no, it's not going to work that way. She thinks he's a weirdo because they didn't have, they didn't have the experiences they had together. And you know, it's like, she fell for him. St- a version of him that was seven years ago, eight, nine, ten years ago, whatever it is. And he is not that person today and she is not that person today. So why would it necessarily work out? It's 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 really good.
1: Yeah. You know, and and I will say I'm glad because it also helps to I will say that and. no spoilers from the most recent Marvel thing. So be slight spoilers, from the most recent Marvel thing, secret invasion, uh, which I've only watched one episode of so far, which there are only two hours of the time of recording this, but, um, Marvel definitely has maybe a little bit of a fridging problem. Mm-hmm. I will say that I think be very clear that totally agree and understand the problem with fridging and how egregious it is in our media overall. So let me just put that front and center. um, but, like, I do feel like it can be one of those things, sometimes it's, like, a really easy thing for a critic to be, like, a woman died, therefore it is fridging. And it's, like, that's right. not what it is. You know what I mean? Women can die, you know, and it's not. Now, if there's a pattern of it and it's only to do certain things to motivate male characters to do shit, well, then, yes, that's terrible and stupid. And, like... Marvel is like may may have crossed that line, honestly, with like, if you look at all together, how many women have died and like who it's motivating and these kind of things. It's like, like, mm, you got to be careful, Marvel. We've got to ease up a little bit, I think. Yeah, yeah. So but this helps to, you know, mitigate that, at least for the Gamora character, a little bit.
0: Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, You know, I think that the death of Gamora Prime or whatever, like. um, it had an impact on Peter, but it wasn't necessarily played as like, oh, this is going to th- this experience is going to make him a better person or motivate him to save the day. It's like, no, it didn't. It, it made him real depressed. Yeah. And, and and he got he got shitty. Yeah. Um, and that's OK. Um, And then he got unshitty again, but he. But him getting unshitty again wasn't because he was in pursuit of Gamora, right? Like, yeah. him kind of recovering in, uh, you know, kind of the first act, you know, from being kind of a, a drunken mess is in service of saving Rocket, right. not in service of, like, uh, winning Gamora back.
1: Yeah, proving to Gamora that he's a good guy or whatever, like, yeah. it's all because, you know, his friend is dying.
0: Right. Um, So it's not quite fridging. It, it isn't right. It's not, mm. it's not, Oh, this is just one more step on his journey. It's like, no, this was a big, big setback for him. Yeah. Um, but it's also like he would, even if all that stuff hadn't happened, he would have saved rocket. You know what I mean? Yeah. He yeah. didn't need Gamora to die to become the character he is. Yeah.
1: Not every action these characters are taking are taking or being thought of in like only in, through the lens of like their romantic relationship right right also i feel like now some someday sometime you know someone's going to come back and listen to this and they're just going to isolate that clip of me saying women can die and just be like, be like <laughs> listen to this misogynist
0: talk about <laughs> hey hey equal it's they, they they can they can die too we don't um, want to be uh exclusionary
1: <laughs> yeah so yeah i mean uh and uh, i i also one thing I'll, I'll say i like i like about you know i know i'm reflecting a lot more and the overall series than just this movie individually does because it feels like a piece of a whole, which is good. Yeah. Um, is that like the use of ensemble, you know, in these movies is really good. And again, that's something that Marvel did well in general for a long time. And I feel like is, you know, hit or missing right now. Um, but I think that not just the main ensemble of like the guardians, but like layering in new members of the guardians. And that's kind of how the movie ends, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, which we haven't even talked about, about it on Warlock yet. Um, <laughs> Uh, which is kind of a nothing character, but it's whatever. Um, he's kind of a nothing character in general. Yeah. Uh, but like, you know, the side characters like craggling and, you know, when they introduced like, okay, Mantis is now she's part of the crew, like Yondu in the first movie is more just like a side character. Now in the second movie is part of the crew, like adding Cosmo in, which was a little more prevalent in the holiday special. And then seeing her like involved more. It's like, I just that that it feels more full as a movie, even though they're not, trying to cram too many characters. It all fits well. It's like, it's sometimes it can be very hard to manage on ensemble of having like primary, secondary, maybe tertiary characters play out in a film or in a film series. And I think he does a good job of it, which also makes me feel like confident, like coming out of this plus peacemaker, knowing that James Gunn is running DC. It's just like, I'm a little hopeful.
0: <laughs> I, I'm, I don't want to be little, really, but <laughs> I'm a little hopeful as well, but Let's hold on that cuz yeah. I think there's still uh, uh um yeah Adam Warlock um <laughs> I liked him in this movie. Yeah. Um I liked that he was dumb as hell. I liked that the movie didn't do too much to explain his power set or his motivations other than like he's kind of a kind of a robot guy, kind of dumb, um easily manipulated don't think too hard about it. He's here to just kind of be a, he's a, he's a, he's a henchman Mm -hmm. and he does a good job of posing a threat to our characters, but also being funny when he needs to be funny. And, um, you know, when he makes the, the, the turn to be a hero, like it, it works. It makes sense. You know, he's, you know, because he's not that bright, and he was just kind of doing what his mom told him to do, like because he's basically a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's a five-year-old with god powers, and that's what that's what we're watching. Um, I thought it was really well done, and the fact that um, in the in the post-credit scene he referenced Adrian Ballou from King Crimson, which is a joke specifically for me, uh, <laughs> as someone who. Um, celebrates adrian Ballou's entire career um uh, i was quite pleased with that little completely out of the blue reference that has nothing to do with the character other than i feel like james gunn for some reason wanted to have a weird prog rock reference in there that exactly one person would get and that person was me he definitely has
1: an eclectic musical taste because in you know, in the Peacemaker show, you know, obviously there's like a lot of like the pop music that's in the Guardians movies, that isn't I wouldn't consider eclectic, although this one definitely expands some of that a little bit, I think. Mm-hmm. Um out of the more like kind of slash yeah. the, you know, whatever you want to call that stuff. Um, but in the Peacemaker show, it's like a lot of the end credit scenes and like things like are like the credits rolling, whatever. Yeah, the credit music and these things for things like it's like this is a Swedish power metal band. And then he's playing Bang Camaro, which is like, again, a thing that's just like, that band was like a thing for like 20 minutes in yep. the <laughs> mid 2000s because they were on Guitar Hero. Like what? <laughs> like what is going on here? <laughs> so but also really one and play just like in Peacemaker is like a ton of glam rock, which is also great. Like, you know, um, so.
0: Right. Yeah. Which which was a great choice for the uh, the the strangeness of that setting right this the 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 glitzy superhero thing along with just the dingy trailer parkness of it right like it was a perfect fit for glam rock just the absurdity of glam rock was such a good fit yeah Um, how
1: into it like this like hyper masculine or attempting to be hyper masculine dude is like so into you know like sticks and like whatever else and it's like just right. straight and it's always been the strange dy- dynamic with that paradox.
0: Right. And the timeline doesn't make any sense at all because mm-hmm. why would like this movie clearly takes place in you know current year but for some reason this guy who is like you know mid to late 30s is obsessed with like some really deep glam rock, deep cuts as though he was like in his 20s, like, you know, getting laid at Daytona Beach in 1986, you know? <laughs> right, like exactly. It's, it's weird, but who cares? But because part of it is and I, I, he did such a good job with Peacemaker of just like balancing the absurdity of it. Yeah. Of just leaning into the absurdity and just saying, like, let's make these guys absolute weirdos. Yeah. These superheroes. Um, Which is great. Um, But to the music in Guardians, one of my only complaints about this movie is that um, I feel like there were probably one or two too many, like, needle drop moments where they're just all right, we're just going to play a song and have everybody like look at each other in slow-mo. Um, there was this thing, you know, you, you probably don't remember because uh, you know, I was watching movies in the, in the nineties and early two thousands movies for teenagers. And a thing they did back then was um, because like selling the soundtrack to your movie was a oh, really yes. big deal. No, so like, I, they just, I
1: remember this and I actually have some interesting commentary on this as well to add. S-
0: So many of these fucking like this scene is just is just for hot people to walk around in slow motion while a verve pipe song plays (laughs) so that we can put that on the soundtrack like they just would put these mini music videos in. Yes. And yes. Uh, because there were a few too many needle drops in this movie, it had that feeling of like, all right, it's just getting gratuitous now, guys. Yeah, I I was
1: going to say the exact same thing. I think that one of the things that Guardians 1 and 2 did really well, and I think that he nails so well, is like the kind of interplay between like diegetic and non-diegetic music and moving between pop music and score which can be really fraught mm-hmm. um and let me give you an example of that greg um when i was on my way home from scandinavia i had about eight <laughs> hours on a plane <laughs> <laughs> and i was watching from the mo- the time this is i'm so glad you brought this up because it's been on my mind for like two weeks and i just can't get it out because it is so absurd so the first fast and the furious movie which is by the way a weird fucking movie yes like people like I was talking in front friend about. I'm like, it's not a good movie. He's like, What do you mean? It's Fast and fear. I'm like, when's the last time you watched? it? He's like, oh, no, it's probably it's like 15 years ago. It's like, yeah, like that movie yeah. is so weird. If you the watch it, the first
0: couple are not
1: great. Yeah. Well, guess which ones I got through on the plane before it started. First, getting good. The, yeah.
0: Before um, they just said, fuck it. These are superhero movies now. Yeah. We just never actually talk about their powers.
1: Yeah. Um, I got to the. Well, I skipped Tokyo Drift because I don't think it was relevant to the overall story like line, And I was on the fifth one when the plane landed and it was just getting to like the ridiculous action scene where everyone gets these their powers. And I was like, Oh man. Um, but anyway, the first fast music movie, fast and the furious movie, very strange movie. Um, they do this thing where they, they kind of try and do the same thing here where they, you know, the, the music is like, you know, the car is pulling up, they're listening to music. It's diegetic. And then it kind of turns into like the score. Right. Yeah. But in this movie, a, the music they're pushing is just, horrific it's like limp biscuit and then dmx and just like stuff that's just like oh my god please no mm-hmm. however there are many many movement moments in that movie where they are playing somewhat diegetic music limp biscuit dmx and also have a score going what? like an orchestral score at the same time and they don't mix or interplay
0: and i was like who? Thought this was a good idea. (laughs) That's fucking absurd. It's wild. I forgot about that. Multiple times. Right. Where like they have the score going and it's in its own time and its own key. Yes. But meanwhile, we also have DMX. Yes. Like just as if like like that thing where like you you know you know you're you're in the parking lot and two people's car radios are on.
1: (laughs) And that's literally what's happening because it's coming out of the car, quote unquote right? But it's just like, I'm like, this is insanity. Like, I don't even know what's happening right now. Who decided this was a good idea? I just could not stop. Uh. I just could not get over that and I can't stop thinking about it because it's just like, why? That's a crime. (laughs) It's a crime. But anyway, it made me think about this because it's like, but yes, I think that it that he did it really well in the first two. And I think in this one, maybe just didn't quite felt a little bit like this is the thing I have to do in a guardians movie, as opposed to like, this fits really well in the moment. Maybe.
0: Yeah. I, I, the one that sticks out to me is like, I feel like it's late in the movie. I think kind of right around the turn from the second act into the third. It's like, um, it's, do you realize by the flaming lips Which Hmm. was a little on the nose because the lyrics like, do you realize everyone, you know, someday will die. Like right when we're like, oh, rocket's going to die. It was that was a little bit on the nose. But also, I feel like it's like we went from one needle drop moment. Okay, now that's over. Then we go into this one. And then that's over. And then we go into another one, which is like the big hallway action sequence, which was really great. Mm -hmm. But it was like I was like, one of these has got to (laughs) go. You can't just do this, like just have like three little music videos right on top of each other. Um, And also I felt like the Flaming Lips one was a little bit. And I guess this is dating me because that album came out like 20 fucking years ago. But like it felt a little too current. I don't Mm -hmm. know. Because, like, there was this whole thing of, like, all Peter's music is from a very specific time period because of um, just the nature of his story. Right. Right. And then he gets the zoom at some point and it opens up a little bit. But, um, uh, yeah, I felt like there were one or two too many, but they were all well done. I don't know which one I would say is the one to cut, but um, there were a couple too many. But it still, it worked out pretty well. Uh, yeah. Really minor complaint.
1: Yeah. And one thing I, uh, you bring up that, and one thing I think that we both experienced with this, with the Ben Camaro thing and whatever. And it's kind of weird because, like, I just looked up to confirm James Gunn is 56 years old, but it seems like, you know, so that's what, 15, like 16 years older than you, right? Yeah. And basically t- a little less than 20 years older than me. Okay. It's like,
0: mm-hmm.
1: so <laughs> um, I'll rub it in a little more. Uh, but it's like, that is like making a Zoom joke is like, like, I find that hysterical because that was like a very formative time in my life when it was like MP3 players were becoming a thing. And like, I had a zoom for a little bit. Or oh, of had course his, you did. You know, but like, and it was like, like, again, that is a joke for like four people <laughs> or it's a, a very specific time joke. So I'm like, why is he making that joke? Because he would have been, you know, well into his 30 or like late 20s by then. It's like, why is that a joke for him? Like, I, yeah, it's just strange. But Um, like why a bang Camaro? You know, I mean, was he playing Guitar Hero when he was 29? Like, I I mean, maybe, but must just be something about his the lanes he runs in are much similar to the lanes that we run in. So there's like little extra jokes for us in there, right?
0: Yeah. And he, like, you know, I mean, there's also like a music supervisor too on these things. So, um, not like he
1: does every single thing in these movies
0: right um but yeah some of them were you know were very specific but i think that that adds to just the you know but i i like that um how how should i put it like that um you know that it that some of those choices create you know create a a weirdness Mm -hmm. and you know even some of these songs, like the big 70s, you know, like arena rock numbers, some of them you're like, I think I've heard this song before. <laughs> but this sounds like a big song. And I mean, like, I grew up listening to 70s rock because, you know, I that's what, you know, that's what my dad wanted to listen to was 70s rock because that's what he was listening to when he was a teenager. So that's what, you know, um, so... You know, a lot of the even the deeper cuts, I was like, oh, yeah, I've heard that one before. But even there are some where I'm like, that's new to me. Um, but I think that that's great. Like, I think that too many movies that use a lot of, um, you know, uh, needle drops uh, rely too heavily on just like either the song of the moment or. Um, uh Or just like things that are just so instantly recognizable and obvious and on the nose. The first Suicide Squad did this Mm -hmm. way too much. You know, it was just like, um, you know, like, you know, what, like, uh, you know, somebody who, 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 uh, you know, somebody whose favorite band is Aerosmith. Like, (laughs) that's what they think a deep cut is. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I'm really into deep into music. Uh, You know, I like I like. Uh, I like Van Halen with Sammy Hagar. That's how you know I'm a I'm a real head. Um, that kind of guy. Those like, people it's should just, go jump off a bridge. They, they don't have to do that, but just they should. They they, they you're allowed to like Hagar era Van Halen, mm. but you're allowed to like it. <laughs> but I don't think you're allowed to like it as as much as real Van Halen. Just like <laughs> you're allowed to like post Danzig Misfits. I'm not going to send you to jail for liking it. I will send you to jail if you say that Michael Graves era misfits is better than Danzig era misfits, because that's a, an objective misstatement. <laughs> that's, of fact.
1: That's fair. That's very fair.
0: Um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that. Yeah. I, but I think that they they largely did a good job and there was there must have been a super strong temptation on the studio's behalf to like include some songs from bands that they want to sell, Mm, you know, mm -hmm. and the fact that they didn't is great for a movie that's like so linked to music. You know, it's almost like you kind of are like, Oh man, I'm sure there's somebody in the broader Disney stable that would really love to get their single into this movie, but that didn't yeah. happen. Uh, yeah.
1: well, I also just feel like partially cause like, well, I guess a couple, well, first off I want to say it was funny how even thinking about suicide squad broke your brain, there for a little bit. Um, <laughs> and, but like, I think it's also because like, I guess I don't think does Disney own any music companies? I don't think they do.
0: Uh, no, they do. Oh, uh, they do? Um, okay. Yeah, for sure. Um, okay. um, I'm trying to think of uh, obviously like Sony owns Sony and right, owns, but. but like it wouldn't be like obviously there's um, there's like Disney Music as in like uh, you know like that publishes all the like the soundtracks, the Frozen sure, and sure, stuff, yeah. the things that I'm sure you um,
1: you listen to pretty much nonstop in your house. Now.
0: Yeah, uh, well, yeah, kind of. Um, but I'm pretty sure they also like, um, they own, I believe, uh, like Hollywood records is, Mm. is, is one of their labels. So,
1: um, I guess just like, there's not as much money to be made in pushing, like, like, I mean, thinking just how different the music industry is now than it was in like the year 2002 or whenever fast and the furious came out and they're trying to push like, the most recent Limp Bizkit single or whatever. It's like, right. I mean, not saying like people don't push singles. But I just feel like the market is just so different than it was. It just doesn't really fit as well. Plus like, no. I would say music has gotten weirder. <laughs> like it's hard to imagine a lot of the things that like kids, not k- kids, kids, but like, you know, teenagers kids today, yeah. kids today, old man shakes fist at cloud. Like it's hard to imagine like a machine gun Kelly song on like a fucking like guardians thing. It's Like this, just like wouldn't, it, it's so weird. And like, vulgar and specific I, I don't know how you know what i mean it's just like it's just not
0: yeah, yeah. well and i also think it's there, there's something about target audiences in here too and like sure. you know i think if they if they were really trying to get um you know if they were making something for the teens they might include some of the you know some of yeah. that which that you can stuff. see
1: in like spider-verse and you know miss marvel and stuff that's a little younger oriented like there's a lot more hip-hop and rap in that sure which is the predominantly popular genres among young people. So whereas like stranger things, they pulled deep cuts, you know, not deep cuts, but they pull kind of weird deep cut that got very popular, which they probably didn't expect, but then they pull Metallica song. Right. And it's like, okay, yeah. Right. You know, you're
0: trying to make this show for like, well, and they have to like, you know, they they also have their, they're bound to, to some degree by the, um, the time period, the show is set. in. Correct. Correct. Yeah.
1: So anyway, yeah, no, I, I think the, this one like yeah, there's a couple of missteps with of music for sure. Um, but did,
0: but but like if that's my only complaint that sure. you know Oh you had one too many of these, you know, things that may be a little cringy. Who cares? Yeah.
1: Uh yeah, I am. Um, I uh this is yet another it's kind of like our you know close to our last of us episode where it's just like good thing was good. good and uh, thing it's hard was to argue good. with. Oh, one thing I forgot was that I just I loved and adored that the first Marvel F-bomb was just the most mundane thing. Yeah, just go for the fucking door. Just go for the fucking door. Get in the fucking car. Just like, that just cracked me up. I'm like, this is great. This is perfect. <laughs> I love that. Um, yeah, like, you know, Almost like, feels like, I don't know. It's just a very like James Gunn thing to do.
0: Yeah, and uh, and and makes sense. You know, like, yeah, these are people. <laughs> yep. Um, yep. It's weird. It's weird that none of them have, have sworn yet. right like that none of them just had a moment like that um like yeah uh god damn it peter stop using the power suit (laughs) yeah um so uh how before we you know before we kind of leave this subject um thoughts on james gunn as basically the new guiding light for dc films
1: yeah you know i i was skeptical because i'm just anything related to dc i'm just like ah is he just gonna go down and just get sucked into this shithole that is the whole like dc and then more broadly whatever the mess that is wb discovery or whatever now um and but like looking back it's like well was the suicide squad a perfect movie no is it probably the best dc movie since the nolan trilogy Probably
0: the Batman's I, pretty. good. I think the Batman is better yeah. than Suicide Squad, but the Batman as a DC movie. I, I mean, I, I realize that technically it is, but I mean, like, yes, and that will it? that will still
1: exist, and he's allowing it to still exist and, and labeling it as Elseworlds. I like, think is great. Like he gets that part that there are different interpretations of characters, which right. I'm also like totally on board for. And when I think about Peacemaker, which is like probably be in the top. 20, like you know the top couple shows i've watched and enjoyed in the past few years it's like well those are both really good and i watched some of his like he's done a couple like youtube videos and like some twitter posts about just like direction of things and like what they're doing we already, we already did talk about the slate of releases they kind of are announcing with their initial push here um and i'm kind of just like there's a risk that i feel like if I'm just curious, and I, I, I think the telling thing is going to be, you know, they just announced the casting for uh, Superman and Lois Lane in the new Superman movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't, I'm not familiar with the guy playing Superman, but the woman I'm blanking on her name who plays Miss Maisel, who I like.
0: Yeah, like, oh, Rachel. Yeah,
1: that's, a, that's a good yeah.
0: Rachel Brosnahan. Yeah, yeah. The 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 Superman actor. Uh, my understanding is he hasn't really been in anything. No. No, I mean, he's been in stuff, but has never like he hasn't uh, no leading roles.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, OK, that's fine. You know, using some no names is not that, you know, relatively no names compared to who they could pick Um, or maybe the studio probably want him to pick. It's like, OK, that's cool. But like, again, it's that like that we talked about how he walks a really good line of like humor and action comedy and and heartfelt and like dark. And but like that doesn't work for every property. And I hope that the whole entire James Gunn DC venture is not in that tone because I'm, I don't know that that would land well for me. Like, I can't imagine a, I'm having trouble imagining I can't imagine a James Gunn Superman movie.
0: That's what I'm that's what I'm struggling to get my head around, too, yeah. because I like I. Um, how to how to put it like, I guess. So, like, I think one of the reasons Suicide Squad and Peacemaker work so well is that they kind of work because because of the contrast they have with Superman and what you would think of as like mainline D.C., right? Yeah.
1: And, at, like, and, the, and in the very time and place of like what the D.C.E.U. looked like at that point.
0: Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's 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 like oh, this is the. I mean, not a parody of, but like, um, what's my example here? Um, what's well, kind of taking the piss out? I mean, like at, you
1: know, literally at the end of Peacemaker, the Justice League shows up and he's just like, "Fuck all of you, you suck!" And it's like that.
0: What is what's a more right? Or, or it's like it's like you can't have Archer without James Bond. Right. 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 But I don't know that I would want to see what would happen if the Archer guys made a James Bond movie. (laughs) Sure. Um, And it's okay to like both. But like but that's what I feel like is what's happening with uh, with James, with James Gunn and and with this Superman is like, well, you kind of need to play Superman pretty straight. And I don't think a, a Superman movie that takes the piss out of Superman is a good Superman movie.
1: Um, I don't think James Gunn does either, though. I don't. So
0: that's right. I, I agree. I yeah. don't think he wants to take Superman down a peg or take superheroes down a peg. But I haven't seen anything in James Gunn's work so far that gives me a sense of how he would do Superman right. Do you yeah. know what I mean?
1: Yeah. Like I'm curious to see what that looks like. Like what does James Gunn playing it straight looks like? Look like. I'm very curious for that movie, which is why I'm kind of, like, excited. Um, I'm also just, like, secretly really excited that The Flash is fucking failing spectacularly in the box office, but...
0: I'm gonna see it. (laughs) It sounds insane. That is... I am so excited to see just how bad it can be originally i was like no this movie looks awful but everything i'm hearing about it uh and i heard i heard like i've heard plot summaries of it the movie has been completely spoiled for me Mm -hmm. but i don't care the more i hear about it i'm like this sounds like a beautiful disaster i mean i I want to see (laughs) I was
1: confused because, like, I I read a couple things, read a couple spoilers and plot summaries. I'm like, "Oh, Jesus, what?" But then I watched like Movie Bob's review, and he's just like, "When it all comes together, it's actually just kind of like mediocre and meh, and like not an interesting way." I was like, "Oh no, that's not good." But like, it's we and he's like he even said, I think it's like it's a it's a stunt to have like such a wild bunch of things in this movie and still have it just be like kind of boring. And I'm like, "That's weird."
0: I want to see. I just, I, I, that's, that's the thing is I just want to see how bad this thing is and I'm willing to pay to see how bad it is. <laughs> oh,
1: Greg, that means you're going to make me do it. Order fucking no, I don't think so. Okay, I don't okay. know
0: that there's going to be a lot to say about it, okay. but I do want to see it. And I'm sad to say I haven't seen Spider-Verse yet, I but I, I kind of feel like I'm seeing Flash before I see Spider-Verse because <laughs> um, I understand everything I'm hearing about Spider-Verse is like, it's great. I'm like, okay, cool. I won't be, but that's not going to surprise me. No, (laughs) it's not. It's not. That's there's nothing interesting about that. You know, (laughs) it's like, hey, do you want to go to this fancy restaurant? It's got four Michelin stars. It's going to be great. I'm like, I do kind of want to. But then there's also if somebody says like, hey, do you want to go to this restaurant that uh, that um, that makes, you know, hot dogs stuffed with nacho cheese? But it's not a hot dog; it's a hamburger. Also, it's deep fried, and they put fish on it, and it's terrible. I'm all—I'm kind of like—I I think I want to do the second one. <laughs> I want to see what that—that that yeah. garbage is about. Yeah, you're like looking I, for the, the good, novel. The good restaurant's gonna be there. I know what good food is like. I'm looking for new ways to make bad food. <laughs> no, I, I don't um, disagree. I don't
1: disagree.
0: Like just the audacity. Like like somebody telling me that like. In the first 10 minutes of this movie, the Flash puts a baby in a microwave. I'm like, okay, sold. <laughs> for some reason, that is making me more interested than they're like, they're bringing back Michael Keaton Batman, you know, your favorite one from when you were a, a, a tiny kid, <laughs> all bright-eyed and, and naive, and and for bringing that Batman back. I'm like ah, I don't know, guys. But then they're like, the Flash puts a baby in a microwave. Yeah. Oh, okay.
1: Yeah. And all I- these all these weird cameos that no one asked for. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> and the entire last hour of this movie is just like some strange, quote unquote, purposeful CGI mess. It's like well, whoa, and looking through the uh, did you read the I read the director's like. Thing about like why it looks so shitty and he's like well we're trying to go for like a vibe like when you're looking through the flash's eyes and time slowed down everything kind of gets all gets all warped and weird and it's like sure buddy
0: <laughs> well like, fine that's a that's a that but if that uh it, bad on purpose is a tough thing to sell and you didn't do it <laughs> <laughs> yeah you did a bad job at making it look bad i don't know yeah um weird yeah i mean i'm 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 cautiously optimistic because James Gunn hasn't really fucked anything up lately. But also when I look at the shared DNA of all the things he has done, it seems a little too like subversive and uh, ironic. Yeah, yeah. To that's fully carry Superman. And I also think he does best when he has an ensemble. Mm, mm-hmm. And he does ensembles really, really well. But I don't know if he can do a movie where it's like, oh, no, this is Superman's movie. Yeah. And it seems like that's what he's doing. Although yeah. um, I think there's a good reason to believe that this won't be as much a Superman movie as a Superboy movie. Mm, is, okay. is that. Uh, that where they're, it's called Superman legacy for Mm -hmm. one. Um, and there's been some speculation that, oh no, this is actually going to be more about like, uh, Clark and Lois's son, whatever version of Superman that Jonathan Kent or whoever, you know, Mm -hmm. um, basically taking on the mantle of the new Superman, Mm -hmm. which would allow James Gunn to break off from the Clark Kent Kal-El Superman character um, and presumably chart some new ground for DC broadly. Mm-hmm. Um, It seems like they were thinking about doing that with the Supergirl character they introduced in The Flash. Yeah. Although apparently there was a recent announcement that like they were planning to like give her her own movie, but they canceled that plan. So yeah, it could be that they... May, more that they cancelled it for her, but they still the idea is still like, oh no, we're gonna have the, that Superman in the James Gunn universe is not gonna be Clark Kent Kal-El. It's gonna be it's gonna be Superboy. Yeah. Um and are they still also, making, and they canceled that Michael B. Jordan uh
1: Tahanesi Coates movie, right?
0: Oh yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um I think that he um and I think that then you get a Batman You could do, you know, you could have your Batman in the new DC universe be Damian Wayne as Mm. well. Cause I think they, they, I'm pretty sure they
1: confirmed that.
0: The Batman, the Batman movie they're making is Brave and the Bold is Brave and the Bold. So it's going to have Damian Wayne in it. Yeah. So I think we might be setting up a mantle passing younger generation thing here, which I think is a interesting way to solve the puzzle of the DC. just a yeah. sleek problem of like you got all these characters they're kind of canonically older and you have to delay all this groundwork and they're already like established in their careers yeah. but if you go with the kind of the Justice League next generation thing, um, you get to have you get to have younger actors. You get to have more interesting character arcs because they're you're still developing as people. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, I think this, this this is just such a puzzle. And I think about like DC. Right. I mean, maybe not so much. We've done Superman and Batman a bunch. And we've got some pretty good versions of some of those characters. Different different takes, you know, but kind of covered a lot of ground in decent ways. And as long as they're still willing to make stuff elsewhere else worlds that like explore those characters in different light, that's fine. But between the kind of Peacemaker and the Suicide Squad, plus like the Harley Quinn show, which are the best things DC has made in the past, you Mm -hmm. know, a little while besides the Batman, it's like, can they, can they do non Batman DC well? Without it being either one of two things, even thinking about like, I mean, I'm not like a big DC comic reader, but like how popular the Injustice games were. And then then subsequently the comics, which art was very questionable, but hmm. was just like hyper brutal killing of characters, shock moment kind of thing, gore fest or, you know, in, in the Peacemaker stuff, irreverent, subversive, ironic, you know, that kind of veins. Like, can you do a more straight not? Uh, LGBT straight or, you know, like straight, you know, take on the DC universe with characters that like, we really haven't gotten good versions of yet that like, I might like to see, like the reason I'm okay. I mean, the reason that like the MCU torch passing stuff feels good is because even it's not always executed well is because it's like, we got great versions of characters we wanted to see. You know what I mean? Yeah. We got a definitive Tony Stark. We got a definitive Steve Rogers, we got, you know, like they nailed that so well that it's like, I don't know if I've seen, I haven't seen a definitive Green Lantern. I haven't seen the, you know, Hal Jordan or John Stewart. I haven't seen a definitive like Robin ever. You know what I mean? Like the characters that are like iconic, but just like, they've never been able to get onto screen in a way that like feels good. And it's like to just skip over. So, I mean, if they're going to like do just like mantle torch Batman and, and Superman, but then have better versions of other characters, like, you know, the, the kind of original versions of yeah. other characters. Like I'm, I'd be interested to in that, like interested for that, but I'm, I'm not sure it's, it's a curious conundrum.
0: So, I mean, I think the problem, I mean, I think that we got our definitive Superman with Christopher Reeves, mm-hmm. um, in terms of live action. Um, I think we've had a couple versions of Batman. I think that worked. Yeah. I have my personal favorites, but I think one of the problems George with, Clooney. uh, he tried, <laughs> it was not that that was not his fault. Um, it was not his fault. Uh, but I don't think he's a, he's not a good choice for for Batman. I, I, um, I think that it's very difficult to create a, li- a a a live action Batman that works in a Batman movie but will also you but then you can t- take that character and put him next to a, a live action Superman who also works in a live action Superman movie. Yeah, like because they tried to do a kind of grimmer Superman with the Henry Cavill Superman, and it just didn't work because Superman doesn't work as a grim character. Mm -hmm. Um, But Batman, at least in a live action context, um, he it's very difficult to make a a live action Batman who is. Kind of campy enough to hang next to like an optimistic, bright, shiny Superman. Right. Right. Like, I think if you're going to do, if you're going to do a live action Superman, he needs to be kind of campy, bright, sunny, shiny, that character. Um, you know, truth, justice in the American way. And if, but if you're going to do a live action Batman, he kind of needs to be, um, you know, more like a Christian Bale or a Robert Pattinson, like a dark and brooding. And mm. it's very difficult to make those two work and then bring them together. Um, I think that there's I think that there there there's an alternate reality where a Keaton Batman can work alongside a uh, Christopher Reeve Superman mm-hmm. like they would because 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 the Keaton Batman was a little campy. Yeah. For but sure. I also don't think you can make that Batman movie in 2023.
1: Yeah. I mean, do you think there's a way to make a Batman movie. Cause also now that they have the Robert Pattinson Batman and they're not totally abandoning that from the sounds of it, like to make another dark and brooding Batman at the same time, you have like another dark, like it feels like you need to go a different direction with Batman.
0: Well, so that's why I think that's why I think it's genius. If this is the direction they're going to have your justice league characters really be like Jonathan Kent and Damian Wayne, have them be younger yeah. Have them be. They both have these chips on their shoulders. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and seeing them work out their differences. You know, Damien's kind of like a little shitty psychopath. And, you know, maybe, uh, you know, maybe Jonathan Kent is a little bit too much of a Boy Scout, you know, and and you can see them playing off each other. Because they're young and they're developing and um, they're growing together. And you can you have more liberty with these characters, too, because you could never make Bruce Wayne just because of what we've what we've established with him as a character. You could never make him like a loose cannon, you know? Yeah. Or, you know, all that dangerous, like, oh, he might kill Lex Luthor. You know, if, you, if you're you not careful, this guy might kill somebody. Right. But you can do that with Damian Wayne. Yeah, yeah. And you can't make a Clark Kent who maybe has some doubts about doing the right thing or who's maybe tempted by shortcuts because that's not Clark Kent, you know, mm-hmm. but you could still have them in there in the movie. But they're more side characters. And because James Gunn loves to do the family dynamics stuff mm-hmm. you know it would be i would love to see a scene where you have an aging semi-retired bruce wayne uh having to like uh go to thanksgiving dinner with an aging semi-retired clark kent and meanwhile <laughs> their fucking kids shitty kids are up to you know are 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 fighting brainiac like that's great i'd love to see that you know Yeah. Um, So I think that's a way you can make these characters work in a modern setting, because I think that so many of these Justice League characters are just like they're so far detached from each other just in terms of tone and personality that it's really tough to make it all work in a modern setting. I know that it works in animation because Mm -hmm. they have a lot more liberty with, you know, how the characters are portrayed and the the setting doesn't need to be as grounded and blah, 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 Mm -hmm. blah.
1: Yeah, I also think that specifically using Damien is a good choice because I feel like, you know, the the big two have been so desperately trying to, like, you know, pass the torch, quote unquote, to like new characters for like 50 years. And it just like doesn't work. (laughs) And like so few new characters get picked up and like they happen, but it's very rare. And usually what happens is they do a big generational torch passing. And then within five years, maybe one or two stuck around and the rest are all reverted back to like, you know, their original form or taken on something else. Right. Like and but Damian Wayne as Robin is one of those characters that has like emerged and stuck around and I think added a layer to Batman and the Bat family or if we want to call it that like has made a lasting impact on fans and people like have an attachment to that character. Maybe not so much Jonathan Kent, but like, you know, it's, right. it's enough to like hang a hat on. That's like, oh yeah, people don't, they, they don't always like Damian Wayne, but he presents an interesting wrinkle to the Batman formula yes. that like we haven't seen before.
0: Because he challenges Batman.
1: Yeah. He's, yeah.
0: he's one of the first Robins who like genuinely serves as a foil to Batman. Yes. And he also kind of
1: represents a major failure for Batman and on two levels because one, you know, Batman's always two steps ahead, but can't wear a fucking condom. Apparently Um, it's like, (laughs) dude does not want to have a kid. Like, you know what I mean? Like that's not part of his jam. Like the the thing is that he is, this all consuming encompassing thing, but he's also kind of a Randy dude. Like he likes to fuck everybody. Um, And it represents like a failure in that to like have a child with like a villain, basically. Mm-hmm. And then also have this child raised by that villain and have to try and undo that. Like it presents yeah. a good foil to him in that way. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, but to do that, this is again to that this point, I think that you made a good choice is that like Robert Pattinson, Batman cannot have a Damian Wayne. That's right. Because it doesn't work <laughs> that that Batman needs to be. It can't be. And also it also can't be. Ben Ben like murder everybody, Batman, because that right. completely ruins the tension. A right. with with ben, yeah, so it needs to be a somewhat more stable, less dark, less grim Batman that is somewhere walks that line where he's still Batman, but is more like a hopeful figure. Yeah, and maybe even like a you know like maybe closer to a Christian Bale Batman.
0: I I think I think it, it's you know I think the Michael Keaton Batman would be your model.
1: Yeah, maybe one step less. Less cheese, but yeah.
0: Well, yeah, but I mean, like, what that, yeah, you know, yeah, exactly right. Like, just like, you know, yeah. Yeah, you're probably looking
1: halfway between Christian Bale and Michael Keaton is probably where you want to be. Right. Because Christian Bale still had some humor in it, you know, not always him doing it, but there was, you know, there was, you know, mic drop moments and stuff, whatever. But, like, maybe not quite as, like, you know, punny one-liners kind of thing that, like, existed in, you know, maybe not so much like 1989 Batman, but like in that franchise. Anymore.
0: Right. But I think the Christian Bale Batman grappled a little too much with the no killing pledge. But if,
1: if like, which is silly, but again, if that's his thing and Wayne's like, no, kill him. Like, it's like if, if that right. character has already gone through that and emerged from him and been like, no, I'm going to reject the darkness and not live in it and not let it consume me. And the way that that comes out pragmatically for me is I don't kill people. And Damien Wayne's like, well, that's stupid. they they keep coming back. Just kill them. Like that presents a good foil to one another, I think.
0: Right. Yeah. No, uh, yeah. But I, but yeah, I think we're on the same page with, mm-hmm. with where we would want to see this go. And I think it's, this is probably where James Gunn is taking it. Yeah. Um, so, which is why I'm a little bit, and I also thought it was interesting, uh, which, which leads uh, further supports my theory that, uh, Superman legacy is is not going to be about the Clark Kent Superman because the announcement was we have cast Clark Kent and Lois Lane. Mm -hmm. Did you like I thought that was a very interesting way to phrase that. Yeah. Um, Although it did.
1: I did read in the details that a big part of the casting was how they looked in the suit. Sure. Take that. But he's
0: yes, but he's going to be. But also, but if that's a big part of the casting, just how they look in the suit, you know, I mean, yeah, (laughs) fair enough. You know how many. uh, But I I I get the I I have a feeling that the real central character that is not going to be Clark Kent and Lois Lane. And also, look, I don't need to see. I do not need to see another movie about Clark Kent and Lois Lane. I really don't. Um, yeah, you've
1: seen the best iteration and it was called, damn it. My joke didn't land Cause I forgot the name of it. What was that <laughs> fucking show called? Uh, the adventures of Lois and Clark. Yes. Thank you.
0: <laughs> that was
1: actually, I remember that being decent. I was a kid and looking back, I think it's probably hot garbage, but I watched it a lot as a kid. So
0: I, I remember it being interesting. And I, I also remember it being kind of a bold choice that it was less about Superman and more about like these two people in their relationship. Yeah, for sure. Uh, which, I, which, You know, in hindsight is interesting. I don't know that I would ever go back and watch it because, yeah, it probably there's probably a reason that like people aren't rewatching the hell out of that, like they're rewatching the hell out of Seinfeld. (laughs) You know, you're not I don't see a lot of posts from the Lois and Clark subreddit making it to the front page.
1: Yeah, I mean, like there's a lot of things from, you know, a lot of like if you look at the vast majority of like late 80s, 90s, early 2000s TV shows like. There's some things that stick out to people that people have a lot of nostalgia for or, or are legitimately just like quite good. But there is about a thousand times fold that of just like hot garbage.
0: Yep. Things <laughs> he, that things that we don't remember for good reason. Yeah.
1: Even even in shows that are considered good, even like, you know, people like X-Files or Next Generation or whatever. It's just like mm, vast swaths of this are just not great. You know what I mean? Yeah. Did I offend you with that?
0: Uh, look, there are a lot of episodes of The Next Generation that are not <laughs> very good. I will. I will. I've 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 said it before and I I have no reason to uh, to retract that yeah. statement. And um, it's not a
1: criticism on the, the show as a whole, because it's just like it was just like the format of the time. Like there you were 200 have, episodes yeah, of the same, So man. much filler. Even, <laughs> even moving into like you know what we want to call it like proto prestige TV with shows like you know they're trying to do like you know like a buffy or something like that where it's, it's still 23 episode seasons of 45 minutes each it's like that's so much content to fill and not all of it's going to be good
0: yeah no and, and there's a lot of there there there's a lot of junk next generation episodes that you can totally skip but there's also the inner light there's right. also the measure of a man right uh there's there there's a lot there's a lot of good stuff in there and there's a lot of junk too but that's but that's also how these things go. For sure. When you're making, uh, back in the day, people were making television in a much different way than they're making it now. Yeah,
1: I mean the budgets, the time frames, the you know everything about it, you know, was so different. It's so you can't even compare the two. It's not fair. Yeah, not that I care about being fair to you know Hollywood, but you know what I mean.
0: Well, yes, it, it's it's. There's a, you don't have, there's very few, uh, uh, well, no, I mean, we still make them, mm-hmm. you know, just your kind of, for lack of a better word, Monster of the Week television Procedural, shows. like whatever. Yeah, procedurals, like, they're, th- that's where that stuff happens. And they're still um, the most popular TV shows in the world. They are, because, you know, they're, they're formulaic and people like them. But, like, uh, there's a lot of them, and, um, but that's... That's just the way all TV was made, Mm -hmm. you know, in the you know, in in the 90s and early 2000s, because this idea of like, oh, no, we're making a like this season is a a, a self-contained arc that wasn't happening as much, you know, And, and each episode leads like there were arcs that led, but it was largely just like, yeah, it's just a random thing. Because there wasn't binge watching wasn't a thing. It was just like people might miss it and you don't want to have too much uh, like really um, serialized plot from week to week because people could get lost very easily because Mm -hmm. you couldn't like unless you were taping it on your VCR. If you missed a week, you know, you couldn't it, it wasn't good for your show if somebody would miss a week and then they'd be completely lost when they come back, come back to it. So, uh, and when you're making things like that, there's going to be a shit ton of filler because it's like, all right, guys, we got to write 20 episodes of this Mm -hmm. and And we also can't move the plot forward in any real way. So, right. (laughs) Everything has to reset at the end of each episode. Um, because you know, there's, there's no guarantee people are going to see every episode. And then if it gets the syndication, they're all going to be replayed out of order. Nobody's ever going to sit down and watch this thing from front to back. So, you know, um, it, you know, anytime you had something like that, they called them mini-series, and they there were these <laughs> prestige events. Yeah. And now most television is written like sequential mini-series. Anyway. Yeah. We were supposed to be talking about Guardians of the Galaxy, and I think yeah. we did. Yeah. I, I mean, again, it,
1: it got me re-energized a little bit in knowing that like, oh yeah, Marvel movies, you know, if done well, can still be good. Um, and I will miss James Gunn in the MCU for sure, but I'm curious to see. I'm again, cautiously optimistic, uh, for like what comes in the, the new DC universe. I think their approach of like, I want to see, I don't think we fully nailed it yet. Um, star Wars is kind of trying to do it, but again, like this idea of like, we're going to blend animation and live action and have characters pass back and forth between shows and misses right from his mouth, like largely and predominantly as much as we can have those characters voice and act by the same people and, uh, you know, make a cohesive universe that also feels confusing to me. Cause I'm just like, how do you, again with his style like it could be a mess but I think at least some of it will be good
0: yeah I mean it's still so early to see I mean I think it's potentially promising Um, they've certainly have had a lot of chances to learn from their mistakes Um, but it's like we're starting over again although I feel like when we started out the first time and they were like we're doing it we're making a Superman and we're making a Batman and it's Ben Affleck and then we're gonna have a Justice League and oh boy it's gonna be great I feel like back when they were first pitching that i was like oh no this is going to be bad yeah there this, was no level
1: of hope or optimism around. yeah
0: i'm but now i'm actually optimistic i'm like oh yeah that, that I, I i could see how they could do this right well in part yeah. that was
1: because it was just like, it. it's just like and Zach Snyder's doing doing it's just like okay well <laughs> i mean at the time he was a popular director but i think even by that point we'd all started to see like uh, it's a lot like where i'm with jd rams now where it's just like i don't know man like you made a couple good movies and you've got some artistic flair and some things. But like, can you make a cohesive story? Can you tell, well, a co- you know, keep it all together? It's like the answer is generally no.
0: I think that I mean, even b- by that point, Zack Snyder hadn't really made anything great. Like he'd made a couple movies that were like, ah, eh, this is fine. It's got a lot of flaws, but, you know, it's it's interesting. It looks good. He made movies like, that
1: were culture like they penetrated culturally. Right. Yes, like that's exactly what right. was a huge. It's that movie is all over the fucking road on a lot of different levels. But like that movie was one of the biggest movies of that year and still yeah. something that like you is, is in like um, is for better or worse. It's like in cinematic canon. You know what yes. I mean?
0: It's got, it's, 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 I mean, it, it's, it's got shitty politics. <laughs> um, there are a lot of elements of it that are like, you know, we look back and it's a little cringy cause like oh, it's yeah. a little overwrought or, um, it's, it's, you know, kind of melodramatic. And there's a lot of like the, uh, the flashier, like action touches, mm-hmm. you know, like the speed ramping and all that stuff. And looking back on it, you're like, oh, gross. But it's also, you got to remember, like, when that movie came out, that shit was all brand new. Yeah. And, um and, a and, movie and it's like politics
1: that. and its gross stuff was not really that much worse than many of the other things that was no, in No but category. look
0: a lot of movies have shitty politics that's yeah. not you know that's not really a a a critique of it um but for its time it was a big fucking deal yeah and it was over the top and melodramatic but that fit the source material and yeah. like that was a wild thing to see when it came out yeah um,
1: and, and even watchmen i mean it's not, I mean, to completely miss the point of the comic, you know, yeah. obviously pulls a lot of shit out of it. But again, like a lot of people went and saw that movie, It introduced a lot of people to that world of comics. And so to have kind of like two pretty successful adaptations of comics, it's like, well, sure. He's the comic book guy. Yeah. Do the comic book stuff, you know? But still, I think even by that point we were like, was that, you know, he had done a couple of things after that too. I'm mean, like, eh, whatever, but it just wasn't, I think it, it just felt the whole time like they were trying to chase Marvel
0: Yes, and they in were way shittier in, way. Yeah, and, and they were bringing in Zack Snyder when everybody was looking around. I was like, wait, didn't Christopher Nolan make your good movies? Yeah, why is right. <laughs> why is Zack Snyder like that? Seems like such a weird move to go from you know you got Nolan who's got this kind of grounded kind of operatic approach, and everyone loves it. And you're like, yeah, we're going to make we're, we're we're D.C. We're going to make we're going to make movies now. We've had such good success. And you're Like, oh, cool. So more like, you know, like the Dark Knight. No, <laughs> have you guys seen the new Dawn of the Dead? That's right. the guy. Yeah,
1: Um. I do. Speaking of Nolan, I, I kind of do really want to go see Oppenheimer in theaters. But
0: yeah, I'll I'll, I'll check it out. He it he doesn't make great movies, but he makes movies that are a lot of fun to watch. OK, hold on a second. Yeah, what? I want to talk about this because I feel like this is one of those things that like, why do why is that like a
1: take now that what? like Christopher Nolan's like not that good? Because I feel like when I think of movies that have like left an impact on me when I left the theater and not that they're like, you know, perfect works of art or anything, but like his movies are a lot, a lot of them are up there of like this was like a really great experience, you know, and and like it sits with me for a long time and and like feels like I don't know, like don't quote me on this, but like the Spielberger of like our generation kind of, I mean, Spielberger is a Spielberg of your generation. You know what I mean? But like, okay. <laughs> I got him. But you know what I mean? Where it's just like, when I think of like cool movies that like left an impact on me, it's like, it's like a lot of his stuff. And then nowadays it's more like for me, is like Denny Vianu. Right. But like, it's along those same lines for me. So like, I feel like there's been this, like that, like revisionist, like, ah, Christopher Nolan's movies aren't that good. And it's like, why are we all saying that? So can you
0: elucidate that so a little bit for me? So my, okay uh, I, my feeling on Christopher Nolan and I like his movies. They're all, I, I they're all very good. Like, I don't think I can, you know, I, a lot of people will talk about like, Oh, tenant doesn't make any sense. I'm like, yeah, that doesn't fucking make it. I don't care. It's cool. And it's weird. And it's fun I haven't to watch seen that one to be fair. Uh, and I don't think anybody like anybody like me, whose favorite director is David Lynch, has anything to say (laughs) about it doesn't make sense. Uh, I'm not as concerned about that. But I think what is true about Christopher Nolan is that he's one of these directors who, Okay, this is this is a comparison that. Is, is going to be tricky. He's like Michael Bay. Okay. He has a very specific and very fascinating style, and he makes movies that have, that are always very like visually and sonically and conceptually affecting. But there usually isn't much there mm. beyond just like, hey, wouldn't it be cool if I made a heist movie that takes place in dreams? Yes, it would. And yes, it was very cool, but that's all it is. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. And um and I also think that and and I I try not to base my own critiques based on like, oh, well, dumb people like the movies <laughs> like, you know, it, 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 it's a little but it's a little bit like a lot of times it's like, oh, this is a dumb person's idea of a smart movie.
1: <laughs> sure. Yeah.
0: Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because a lot of times it's like uh there's not really like. Ooh, there's a mystery and a puzzle you got unravel. It's like, no, there isn't. No, there, it, it, it doesn't. There's none of this. If, if you zoom out, none of this is going to add up, but that's mm-hmm. okay. I don't need it to add up, but like it, it, they hint at deeper meanings and bigger puzzles, but they don't have that. And that's not necessarily bad, but I think that's what keeps his movies from being great.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You
0: know what I mean? They don't often have like any real underlying substance to them. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. But you should
1: watch Tenet. It's fucking bonkers. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, this is, I actually wanted to get your thoughts because we, my friend, two of my good friends and I are, are going to, uh, my once friend's dad. He owns a house in Fort Myers, Florida. And a couple of years ago, like pre COVID, like we drove down there and stayed for a week and like, you know, worked remotely for a couple of days and just like hung by the pool and just like, play a lot of board games and whatever. And we're going for like eight days leaving tomorrow. And I was like, we should like pick some, like some movie or TV thing to like watch together. So we're not just like putting on the same episode of sunny. We've seen like 50,000 times Hmm. or the same YouTube videos. we watch 50,000 times, which granted, always made me laugh, but you know, let's like better use our time to do something. Cause like I never actually sit down and watch movies anymore because I'm always just like, Oh, two hours. I don't, even though I, then I watch four hours of television, you know, it's just like, the, the premise of sitting and watching a whole movie it just seems very daunting and I'm like what should we pick should we pick like you know we picked out a couple of individual movies I'm like oh do you guys want to watch Tenant I haven't seen that and everyone's like uh, I
0: heard it was bad I'm like no I heard
1: it was incomprehensible those are two different things <laughs> um, it's
0: it it okay Tenant is is flawed um, in a lot of ways uh, it's it its reach exceeds its its grasp. Um, it uh, doesn't make a whole lot of sense. And one of the things that is wrong with it, this is a little bit like what we talked about when we talked about Evangelion, is like it tries a little too hard to explain itself Mm. when there's not really anything, you know, it's don't try to make it. it, This is a movie that is going to because I I mean, I'm not spoiling anything to do. Like there's time travel elements in it. Right. Um, And it's you know, it's it's it's, it's a movie that acts like there's a time travel mystery that you, the audience can solve if you pay close enough attention and Uh-oh. make sense of the time travel, uh, mechanics. And, um, I'm here to tell you that don't fucking bother. Like <laughs> just sit back and enjoy the weird, wacky time travel shenanigans and don't, don't try to solve the puzzle and you'll have a much better time than if but this movie is going to trick you into thinking that you can, that there's a puzzle you can solve. There is not. Yeah. It I is that's just like the,
1: one of the grand problems with all movies that try and have a mystery element to it. You know
0: what I mean? Yeah. But, it's, it's, okay. it's, you know, and, and, um, you know, I like a mystery movie that, you know, like that kind of keeps you going and like, you're always like, you know, you're, you're always one step behind the movie and that, that, that's good. But this is, this is a movie that tries to act like a, a A mystery but it's not you can't solve the puzzle there's no puzzle to solve just enjoy the Mm. enjoy the weirdness um uh and and i think you'll you'll enjoy tenet it's not a great movie but it's 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 got a lot of flaws i think the the uh i think it was intentional to cast the, the uh the lead actor they did who's got a very flat performance mm-hmm. i think that was intentional but like we were saying earlier like there's a fine line between bad on purpose and just bad mm-hmm. and i don't think they really got there yeah um yeah but robert pattinson's great in it
1: right right yeah that um, was um that was the thing we brought up and then we also talked about just like let's just pick like a, a movie series that like and eh, maybe we haven't watched in a while or haven't watched all of it, and just kind of just like go in all in good bad and ugly so like Here are some options that we talked about aliens, Mm -hmm. you know, because I've never seen any like the the more recent ones that they made, which I heard were bad, but like kind of want to just get the whole experience Um, mission impossible Mm -hmm. because I've only think I've ever seen maybe the first one or two like 20 years ago on TNT or something.
0: Um, those, the Mission Impossible movies have a trajectory very similar to Fast and Furious. That's what I've heard. Like, we talk about Fast and Furious, movies, but there's 11 of those, and that's ugh. a lot. <laughs> in, in the later Mission Impossible movies, they just say, fuck it. <laughs> we're, every year, we're just going to do something crazier than last year.
1: Yeah. Um yeah, I i I'm also just want to see uh, Henry Cavill be a sexy, sexy man in movies.
0: He was he was a very good villain in 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 that uh, one Mission Impossible. But yeah, the aliens movies. A lot of people like to shit on. Uh, was it Prometheus and then? Well, Revenant. No, what was, what was it called? Uh, the one after Prometheus. Yes, the, Prometheus. <laughs> Prometheus is good. The one that comes after Prometheus is a mess. Um but then before Prometheus and Prometheus is better if you don't know it's an alien movie but no but you can't keep that can't, secret you, anymore. You can't unlock under- um, one.
1: I mean I have seen Alien Aliens and Alien 4 many times. Okay. I have never I'm, seen Alien 3 actually. Alien
0: 3 is the one uh some guy some guy you like made it. <laughs> That's right. What Fincher? Yeah. David Fincher. Yeah. Um uh and there's a, somebody, some famous sci-fi writer made the first draft of the script. I'm forgetting who it is. Um, but the original, the original draft of the script, <clears throat> the planet is made of wood and it's like an entire planet made of wood. And it's just like a giant church. Um weird. Yeah. They didn't make that one. Um, but I, that's, yeah, Alien 3, I actually like because it's weird, right? Like, and that was the thing of like um
1: William Gibson wrote
0: the first script. Yeah, there it is. I just read um,
1: uh we won't, you know, we were gonna you know talk more, but I just read Neuromancer for the first time.
0: I don't think I've ever I've read some of his stuff, but I don't think I've read it. I didn't one. like it. All
1: right, <laughs> But it's fine.
0: Uh yeah, there's something about going back to cyberpunk, like it's 90s wrong. cyberpunk in 2023. It's a little weird. Yeah. Um uh Yeah, yeah. Um because the first the first alien movie is a horror movie set in space. The second alien movie is a Vietnam movie right. <laughs> set in space. And the third one is, like, a weird pseudo-religious, like, uh, like psychological thriller set in space. And the fourth one is... Just like a balls out Ron Perlman action movie yeah. set in space. Initially penned by Joss Whedon, little little known fact. And that's a and and I think that all of them are good in their own way. But I think that by by the time three came out, people had somehow built up some expectations. Yeah. About what each one is supposed to be, and I think if you zoom out and take each one on its own terms, they're all pretty good. Prometheus, mm-hmm. I liked. Uh, whatever came after Prometheus was, I was like, ah, this is starting to feel like some franchise bullshit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Trying uh, too as opposed- hard to make a
1: franchise out of it. Or- yeah. Yeah. yeah um, I mean, and then we were like, well, but if we do aliens, that mean we got to do the alien versus predators.
0: And is that mean nope. we got to do predators on top of it? <laughs> no, no. Well, there are a couple, I mean, the alien versus predators. Oh, don't fucking bother with those. Oh,
1: I've seen those and they're amazing. So you take it. <laughs> <laughs> the, uh, the, the, the pre- covenant obviously- is the last one.
0: That you- yeah. Predator one, Predator two, both both good on their own terms. Uh, and then I don't, I think the next one was Predators, the one with like Adrian Brody in it. Yes, which is kind which of a mess, bonkers, but but also like at least a neat idea. Mm-hmm. And then The Predator, I think, and that is hot garbage. Okay, and then hot, prey, which is garbage. Good. Prey, which is good. The Predator is worth watching because of how fucking bad and bonkers it is. And it has one of the most hilarious fucking ending stingers ever. Uh, not intentionally, but fucking, fucking yeah, hilarious. It's
1: really weird because, like, Aliens vs. Predator 1 and 2 dropped at a time that I was, like, pretty into this shit. And I was like, yeah, we're going to go see Alien vs. Predator. And, like, the first one, I'm just like, it was a choice to make this a PG-13 movie. I don't think it was a good choice. Um, but, like it's not terrible like it's 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 bad in a lot of ways but it's also like it's got it's got it's okay like it's like i see what they're going for it's weird and bizarre maybe you know a lot of love twists and turns and nods and stuff to like older stuff okay uh alien vs predator 2 i think they call it alien vs predator requiem requiem
0: oh yeah
1: oh that is such a that is like so bad it's good level where it's like (laughs) the end of the movie just ends them nuking everybody (laughs) Like and like, only like one character flies away in a plane. And it's like, oh, okay, I guess everybody's just dead now. And it's like weird hybrids of things, and it's like so dark and just like so, so like it's like they heard all the criticism of the first one that was like a little kid's glove, you know, because it's PG-13 and, mm-hmm. you know, whatever. And a lot of people, you know, whatever. And then they're just like, well, let's just have them, like, terrorize a suburban town. That'll really show people. and we'll just kill everybody in gruesome ways. That'll really show them what we can do with an R rating. And I'm just like, all right, guys, I didn't think you took away the right <laughs> the right takeaway from the criticism, but whatever. What a weird, what a weird, like, section of sci-fi is is Alien. There's all, like, taken all together as a thing.
0: Well, yeah, because it's like, because Alien, every Alien movie is a different genre. Mm-hmm. Um, but every, but the Predator movies, it's like, I mean, they're so obviously action movies. Right. But for some reason they kept, for a while they tried to make them into something else.
1: Yeah, like, they're like, no, they're kind of more like slasher horror movies. And it's like, okay,
0: no. but like, you don't put Arnold Schwarzenegger in a uh, slasher movie. <laughs> no, it's an action, it, it, it's, I mean, it's an action movie that, becomes a horror movie that becomes an action movie again. Um, but it's they're they're action movies with with a little bit of a sci-fi horror angle. Mm-hmm. That's what these that's what they are. And then I think they just I don't know what they tried to do. They got all of <laughs> well, their own.
1: They tried to franchise it, and you know, and they sold the licensing to fucking everything. There's like how many Alien and or Predator slash both games are there? Like yeah, hundreds. And how many like you know weird dark horse like variation of the comics are there hundreds you know so it's like that stuff emerged and they wanted to capitalize on it and so and again it's one of those things almost back to the christopher nolan thing where it's like yeah the first you know there's a there's a you know alien and aliens and predator are like there's stuff under the hood there right there's a point there's a message whatever but overall these aren't that deep like they're not the allegories are not like again, we've done Vietnam a couple times. Like we know what that is. Like there's nothing really new there to say. It's just a slightly different take on a classic thing, just like guardians. Right. And they did it well. So it worked. But like, I think sometimes people hold the original movies up so much higher than the other ones, just because like they're just executed better as if there's like something more to like that. They're pinnacles of like sci-fi achievement. And it's like, well, they're just like good action movies more or less. Right. Like, and it's maybe not, let's maybe we, like get off the high horse about, you know, how far the alien franchise has fell or whatever, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's my just my.
0: (laughs) Well, I I, I don't know. I mean, I think that it's I mean, I think calling it a franchise is dumb. You know, (laughs) I think it's more like, hey, we've got we've got an idea for a monster and you can put that monster in any kind in a lot of different genres of movie, but make a good movie around our monster. Mm -hmm. Right. Like it it, again, like the best one, like you can't whenever there have been two alien movies with a similar genre and a similar tone it the, it's bad you know like we went from genre to genre to genre to genre and and you know some of them work better than others but uh it's once you try to start really serializing it it kind of falls apart cuz like the alien is cool but it's just a monster you can't really build a whole franchise around this and the more you learn about the you know as much as i like prometheus like the more you learn about the lore of the hows and whens and why the less the less scary they are you know and you know um that's that's how you do this and it, it's it's not um yeah they, you gotta keep them moving um because there's just not as much there to really carry carry it along unlike other like you know like freddy krueger is a f- is a charismatic enough character and his powers are uh, such that like you can come up with infinite cool ways for Freddy to kill people because he kills people in their dreams. So whatever they're dreaming about, like that's a whole new scenario, whole new powers for Freddy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of fertile ground there. But like the aliens, the xenomorphs, it's like, well, they got acid blood, they're fast and they'll fucking eat you. And then there's the face huggers. But that, you know, that's like it. The, the, there's only so many ways you could be surprised by that monster in that movie, um, and they, they're not charismatic, right? Like a lot of great like slasher villains are, you know, you're kind of rooting for them, and they're kind of the protagonist a little bit, you know. But the aliens, they're just like they're completely well alien. Yeah, you know, they don't talk, they don't have emotions, they don't have motivations. They're just right monsters. Yeah. They're space bugs.
1: And they don't represent anything either. Like, they're not like, oh, they're the embodiment of our, you know, existential, whatever. They're just like, yeah, they're just fucking weird things that have acid for blood. And it's weird. Right. Like- and
0: they're supposed to make you sexually uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. But they don't. Yeah. They don't. They're not a commentary on gender roles in our society or they don't represent anything. They're just fucking scary monsters. Right. So and they're not
1: like, I guess there's some through line about like, I guess there's some, like, you know, it seems like in at least the alien movies I have seen, like. AI, but like they're not doing the AI thing in a way that any other. There's a million other things doing AI in a more interesting way. They're just like sometimes, sometimes the androids are bad guys and sometimes they're good guys. And right. I don't know what that means. Nothing really.
0: Yeah, it doesn't mean anything. Yeah, it, it's it's. So that's why you have to keep changing up the genre because that's how you make things surprising and interesting. Uh, and and Predator works best when it's like every time they make a new Predator movie, it's a different Predator, a different normal dude, and a different setting. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, the first Predator movie. Great. We all know it. Love it. Commandos in the jungle fighting a space monster. No no notes. So what do you do the next time? Now, if you're stupid, you say, what if we send some another batch of commandos into the jungle to rescue (laughs) Dutch from the first one? No, you say, all right. What if it's like uh, now he's uh, like in L.A. during a gang war? Okay, cool. Let's do that. And it's a different Predator this time who's got, like, some different uh, fucking gadgets and weapons and stuff. So you can bring some surprises there. And then the next time they made a good Predator movie was Prey, when they're like, all right, what if it's, like, Native American times? Mm -hmm. And, all right, what are the cool things we can do with that? And, you know, if you try to serialize Predator too much, then you just end up with... It's the same settings. It's the same predator with the same toys uh, against the same heroes who have all the same weapons. And what are we doing? Yeah. Um, So, yeah, they just they got to mix these things up. They can't they can't turn them into franchises the way that you normally would. You know?
1: Yeah. There's something about when you try and like reverse engineer a pretty straightforward action or horror or whatever. Some of these like want to initially be into a franchise that like. Doesn't often work out well. Even something like a similar time frame, similar kind of style where it's like Terminator, you know, the first Terminator movie, second Terminator movie. And it's like, again, those are kind of different genres almost. Yeah, And like, they both work in great ways to amazing movies. And then, you know, not that every Terminator movie after that is terrible, but like (laughs) when you start trying to just like stitch it all together, because let me me put it this way, because unlike other sci-fi or fantasy properties that are more like franchisee you didn't start with an idea or a premise around like what this is all about you just started with a pre- idea about just like what if a robot tried to kill you and it's yeah. like that's not really that deep of an idea you can't ride it that long and then you start building up all this crazy canon and story around like well actually you know it's he's the second robot from to- this timeline and button and like you know and that can be cool to a degree but unless you have a point to all the narrative and the canon and the plot, then like, it kind of just feels like you're just going through the motions. Right.
0: Well, right. Because the, the, the plot like that you're, 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 you're retconning all this lore onto something that never really was built to support it. Right. You know, like, um, like the Terminator. I mean, the first one is pretty much a slasher movie, right? Like mm-hmm. it, um, it, but with this, you know, kind of sci-fi twist. It, he's the unstoppable killing machine, just like uh, just like Jason or um, uh, Michael Myers, you know. Um, but we have this kind of interesting sci fi element that gives him a reason to be an unstoppable killing machine. And and then you you have the, the interesting, you know, she's he's there to kill Linda Hamilton. Why is she the target? Right. And And, and but then the second one, it's like. Hey look, we've got this people loved Arnold Schwarzenegger in this movie and well look, it's time travel shit. We can do whatever we want. Uh let's make another one. But this time instead of uh instead of a horror movie, it's going to be a 2 hour guns and roses video that's just like <laughs> just like insaneo action. Oh and by the way, the bad guy from the first one, now he's the good guy cuz it's a robot. And like but now you're going to do another thing. It's like, well, now we have to come up with a reason for the robot that we killed. We've already killed twice to come back again. <laughs> you know, it's like, and then this time he fights a lady robot, right? And it, you just, <laughs> and it's like, oh no! Now we're gonna have a five-minute scene where we explain where we explain why he's got an Austrian accent. <laughs> like, why? Why did we have to do that? Who cared? Yeah. yeah. Um, so it's it's yeah. They, they stretch these things a little too far. Whereas something like you know Iron Man. You could. There's all sorts of stuff. There's a ton of you know. There's nothing about Tony Stark that is super limited about what you can do with that character or how many adventures you can put them on because this is a character that has built up all of that stuff. He's a guy with a with a cool suit, fights bad guys. All right. Drinks beer. Um, Yes, and and he's a drunk. Um, and and he just keeps. Are always going to come back to that plot at some point. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um. But yeah, I uh, in terms of. franchises to watch. I think that's how we got on this subject. Yeah. yeah. What will, will be your vote? Oh man, that's tough because uh, I'm trying to think of like where you got enough movies to want to watch them all. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, yeah, mission impossible is, is a good one. Cause they just, uh, they just keep getting better after, you know, the second yeah. one. Is and a the goal rough. here is
1: also to have the good, I think like it's the right combination of like, I want some, I want some good movies and I want some, so bad they're good or i want some interestingly bad right like you want that mix of everything where it's like you so see yeah we can just watch i don't know a well-regarded series again and be like oh these were all great cool and like i that, mean but especially for some of those days when we have a bunch of beer and whatever it's like it'd be fun to watch it a bad movie like watch a
0: bad movie too but nightmare on elm street is a pretty good mix of good and hilariously bad it's scary Oh, they're not that scary, man. They're, <laughs> I know. They're a little
1: more goofy, goofy
0: scary. Uh, I wish I could tell you to watch Wishmaster, but really the only good Wishmaster is the first Wishmaster. <laughs> Three might be good. Hellraiser starts off really good for the first two and then gets super off the rails. But I feel like you would want to watch all of them. And that's a mistake. <laughs> for sure. Much like Dune, they take a turn and never really come back. <laughs> Um, oh man yeah. uh, I, mean, it's been a I, I can think of four Evangelion movies oh Jesus <laughs> um,
1: yeah I also about doing do like some smaller things like it's been so long since I've seen some classics that like example I was thinking especially stuff that's like a little older like you know like I don't even know if I've I definitely have watched all three of the Back to the Future movies but it's been Ooh. so long or like the Ghostbusters movies like stuff like that I don't know now I'm just like go back
0: to the future, back to the future. I'll never say no to back to the future. Um, but, uh, I mean, it's, it's a short series, but there's one really good one and one really bad one. And that's Conan. I've never watched the Conan movies before. Oh man. You got to watch the Conan movies. That might be a good one. Maybe
1: we'll do it. So we also talked about watching the, um, we all were like tentatively interested in like the extraction movies on Netflix with Chris Hemsworth, just like action. Uh,
0: I think this I oh no, I think they there's did two. just put out the second one. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. And just action for action's sake. Give me the they said there's in the second one there's a, a, a one take group riot fight scene that took like two months to film or something like that. <laughs> and I'm like kind of interested in that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah let's
0: See what they're doing there.
1: Um and Chris Hemsworth, you know, I'll watch him shoot people. It's fine. Like whatever. <laughs> How bad can it be? Considered Transformers, but I don't hate myself mm. enough for that quite
0: yet. Yeah, I, I I just don't think there's enough good ones in there.
1: No, I don't think there's any good ones. Um Little too much nostalgia for me there. That sometimes can pull it through, but um,
0: I mean, there's all the Daniel Craig James Bond movies. Mm, that's not a bad idea, actually. I've only ever seen Casino Royale. Oh boy, um, it's pretty much alternating. I'm pretty sure it's the odd numbered ones are good. Yeah, <laughs> the even numbered ones are bad. But no, that that that's a good one because I mean, some of them aren't great, but there's none that are like a chore to watch. Sure, and um, they they that's a good contender. They actually like it's a it's a you get to the end of. No time to die, and it's like, oh, I watched a whole thing. Like I watched a, I watched a movie, a series with a beginning and an end. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's always appealing as well. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. I'll let you know we decide. But yeah. Greg, we need to do one more thing before we sign off here. Okay. And that is, we need to decide what we're doing next, so we can shit. give people the chance to do it and follow yeah. along with us.
0: We were gonna shit. We were gonna have. Damn it. Woo-hoo! Well let's well,
1: see we talked about one thing are you still interested in the silo I could watch a series hmm I'm about half I ha- we're a little behind on it. I think it I think it probably is all out now or close to being all out
0: yeah tell you what I will watch the silo because uh what's your name Jessica Rebecca
1: Ferguson Fer-
0: yeah no Rebecca Ferguson sorry Rebecca right?
1: Ferguson not Jessica Ferguson.
0: her name is Jessica uh, in in Dude. Dune. Yeah, <laughs> Lady Jessica. Rebecca Ferguson, you know, we were talking about this, has been cast as Monscara Mercato oh in boy. Dish Best or, uh, Best Served Cold, which I'm rereading right now. Oh, okay. And, there you go. And uh, I am uh, originally the director, was it Tim Miller? uh yes. The Deadpool guy. Yep. I was a little skeptical because I was like, I don't know, man. He seems a little... Kind of light and comedy-ish.
1: Yeah, like a little James Gunnish, right? A little too yeah. ironic, a little too punk rock. For know.
0: this, but then rereading it, I'm like, holy shit, this is a perfect... Because, because like, there are so many scenes in Best Served Cold where it is brutal violence clearly played for laughs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like, the whole scene at uh, the, the brothel where oh my God, just, yeah. everything's chaos and people are running around on fire and... Naked uh, and whatever... Yeah and I'm like oh no there he he does want us to laugh at this doesn't he um and uh so I am super fucking psyched to see that yeah when that this might be out. like
1: one of the most excited like combinations of things coming together that's coming out like that I've been that I've seen in like a really long time I'm like this seems like someone knows what they're fucking doing who's making this and I'm so pumped to to be here for
0: well, it well and and Abercrombie is like he wrote the the, yeah. Yeah. the screenplay or the, the the adaptation or what have you. Um yeah. And
1: if it, it also if this is it's such a good choice to start with this, and it's like if it leads to like the rest of it, fuck yeah! Like I'm yeah. In. Like not yeah. that we need to turn everything into a franchise, but like given the source material and all that, I'm like just do it. Like I'll watch a heroes movie. Fuck yeah! It's just Gettysburg, but, <laughs> but <laughs> with swords.
0: <laughs> yeah yeah uh no i'm I'm so psyched i' I'm I just you know rereading that because that really is I think one of the best like in terms of just like standalone novels mm-hmm. within the first law series like that's that's probably the best like uh you know yeah like I say it's, it's like the best track on a good album but like you know what I mean
1: yeah um and, and the cool thing is like if it does do well and it's awesome you could do more movies but I think you could totally swing the first law series, like the first trilogy as a series, as like a three or four season 10 episode. Cause there's not that much plotting in it really. You know, it's not, I mean, they're decently long books, but they're not like wheel of time or game of thrones or whatever. Where there's like so much shit going on. It's like, it's pretty straightforward. Once you get the crew together, they're just like going on there. I'm going to put in heavy air quotes adventure. Um, right. But like, it is, there's definitely stuff you could cut and reorganize to make it, you know, way way less like long, and, and I just feel like you could really. And it's also not super expensive. There's not a lot of effects. There's not a lot of magic. Like,
0: uh,
1: it gets it, at the end, but like, right? But large it's very game of, of, of it.
0: It's very, it's game, of very game of Thrones for a long time. But uh, at least in terms of like, oh, it's just people in old timey clothes being miserable in the woods. Correct. <laughs> um, <laughs> Correct. It, uh, it yeah, and you know, I think it also it there's as a franchise. There's so much good from First Law because uh, basically you get through. Well, the first six books is pretty much the same cast, right? Mm, the first three books, because then you get to Best of Cold and it's a whole new cast. Oh, and then, right, and then we get into Age of Madness. Yep, yep, yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but but it's basically like yeah, you've got three books with this cast, and then we never see most of them again. Yeah, or they're and fat and old. Look- which is perfect. right. And then you move on to the next to the next one. Time has moved forward a little bit. You have some cameos, but you it's not like it's not like shit. We've got to cast the Logan Nine Fingers now, who <laughs> is still going to be able to play Logan Nine Fingers in 20 fucking years when we finally get to the end of this thing. Right. You know? And
1: also, like, it's not about really it is not about the overarching plot of the world, like again like you know where are the white walkers from what i mean that, right. those things exist but like they're not the point of the books no you know right. and like in the and that way if you only do a couple and it fizzles out fine
0: like bias is up to no good yeah eh, do we know what he's doing no not yet but it's probably bad oh man what's your bias casting bias oh shit i haven't thought about it that much um oh I mean, I think physically speaking, I I know I said this recently on who you who would you cast. But uh, um, damn it, I'm forgetting it. Uh, uh, Obadiah Stane in uh, Iron Man. Oh, Jeff Bridges. Jeff, yeah. Jeff Bridges, bald beard. Um, You know what? This is a wild pick. Uh,
1: this is kind of out of left field. I don't know why I thought of it. And it won't work because just like age and thing is just not. I don't think it's, it's not a good choice. But like if he was not 82, do you think Patrick Stewart could do like evil in that way? No. No, you don't think so?
0: No, no, there's too much. Yeah. No, I don't think so. I don't think he could pull it off. Um, Ooh, bias is tough. Yeah. Um, Brian Cox. Mm-hmm. Um mm-hmm. Although he's not quite I think like he's not quite friendly enough. You needs somebody who can bounce back and forth between like, oh I like this guy. He's helping me out to like, oh no, he's trying to crush the world beneath his heel. Um
1: I feel like I feel like it's too much of a typecast that based on the physical appearance and also the um kind of like not trajectory of the characters or two very different characters, but sort of like I don't know though, but could um Brian Cranston do it? Like Made it very different than Walter. Like, I don't know that he can
0: be. I mean, because like he can be
1: very like jovial and court. I mean, he played fucking a comedic dad for ten years before he did.
0: Yeah, whatever. but there's something there, there. There's. I think you want somebody who's got some phys- more physical presence. Yeah, you need some menace. You need some, some, menace real and some menace some bulk. You know what I mean? You need some bulk. He needs to be a thicker dude for sure. Exactly. Bias uh, <laughs> <laughs> bias needs to be caked up. <laughs> um. Yeah, I don't know. That's a that's a tough one. Um yeah, we'll see. But yeah. yeah, super pumped for that, I think it's yeah, I think so out pumped. of
1: any sci- or fantasy series that can like do well in this space and, and like launch itself and be sustainable, I, I mean and it's and even the way he writes, it feels very cinematic.
0: Oh yeah. Absolutely. He loves the he loves the ending the chapter with somebody's about to get killed and then the next chapter the next chapter like starts with that person's friend killing you know what i mean like yeah. coming in from off camera to what like it's fucking absolutely writing it for tv but um i just want to put one idea in your head uh on casting for uh best serve cold for caster Morvir, the self-important poisoner mm-hmm.
1: glenn howard by the way yes 150
0: percent. right yes <laughs> right? yes <laughs>
1: Oh, my gosh. I love that so much.
0: Basically, Dennis. Yeah. (laughs) This guy who's way too cocky, but like his internal monologue is just about how he needs to murder everyone immediately because they don't recognize how important he is. Yeah. No, 100 percent.
1: You know, and just charismatic enough to get by, but not actually charismatic. You know what I mean? Like, right, right. Like he's he's learned to be charismatic enough to like continue pretend to pretend to be
0: a person pretend to be a person. Yeah. Oh, All I do right.
1: like that. I love I also love to see him flex his muscles and like his acting chops in like, cause he was, he was a runner up to be star Lord. Yeah. Which is wild. So I'd love to see him in a setting. That's like just so totally different than what he's done in the past. Yeah. Anyway, we are way we off are the over time.
0: All right. Well, this was good. I'm going to have to start watching the silo and uh-huh. then, and then I'm going to come up with something else to torture you with.
1: Well, well, you know, we can we can do something fun, something that's not torture, that's not gonna make me sad. We can watch Wishmaster. Wishmaster. <laughs> I mean, God knows at this point we'll probably be recording next to Halloween. No, just God damn it. No. Uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah. no.
0: No, no. We'll find something we'll find something else. But the next next one is Silo.
1: Yeah, it's on Apple TV.
0: Um All right. we'll talk next time. All right, buddy. All right. Later on.